Metallica. Here they come, the kings of metal. What's up? It's Johnny Sword, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Welcome to Mel Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I am Clint Wells. That is Clint Wells with a Peter Chris coffee mug in hand, and we're on episode 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Austin 316. And we're going to wrap up the uh, the year of Metal Up Your Podcast and give you some stats, read some emails, some uh, listener comments, things like that. I had Austin 316 on my backpack in high school on the straps. Yeah, you did. So strategically written in whiteout. Oh, yeah. So that when I was walking down the hall... The, what you could see on the straps that were visible over my shoulders said Austin 316. And then if somebody questioned you, you beat him up and say, Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. I would tell them that, and then I would read them John 316 and hope that they got saved and found the Lord. <laughs> At school, by the It walkers. was a really great combination. Kick their ass, <laughs> then try to get them saved by Christ. Do you, do you remember, God, this gives me the church goes already, speaking of. Uh, do you, did they ever do uh, those things? They would go, it was called See You at the Pole. Oh, yeah. Like a morning prayer thing at the flagpole. Well, they would try to convince all the heathens to come get saved by offering them donuts before school. That's what See You at the Pole was for us. Yeah, yeah. It was like 7 o'clock in the morning, like long before anybody wants to be at school anyways. Yeah. The perfect time to, to save somebody. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember the way it would work. You know, you'd be like, wow, is this what Christians are like? They like like to party in the morning with donuts? Like, I can get on board with this. This is pretty cool. There's nothing I want more than eternal life in, a, in an apple fritter. They're like, let's opera, <laughs> offer them coffee and donuts and then make the wager for their eternal souls. My experiences at Sea with the Pole were always really pleasant. There wasn't a lot of proselytizing. Yeah, yeah. I do remember, I don't know if what it was like in California, but at my high school, People gave out Gideon New Testaments in the lobby of the school every morning. Oh, wow. Which, looking back now, I'm like, well, whatever you believe, like, that's not real cool. Yeah. I don't think Christians would be happy with the Quran being passed out. Oh, no, not at all. Not at and all. And I certainly, as an atheist, don't want anyone giving my kid, you know, religious pamphlets at, at a state-funded school. Right, right, exactly. I mean, that was, you know, those things you did going to, growing up in church where you would go on, like, a mission trip or something. And even looking back on some of that, it was kind of like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, there was some good in it, of course. But, but yeah, in California, the the, uh, the, the see you at the poll meetings were, were pretty chill. Same kind of thing, coffee and donuts, if you want it. You pray a little bit, and that was about it. It was pretty uh, pretty laid back. Nice religious talk here at the top. I Welcome know, to the man. Podcast. Well, happy new year, everybody. Happy new year. 2023, it's upon us. And happy anniversary, Clint. Happy anniversary to you, too. We're going to be having a party here in a couple of days. We're real close. As the end of this episode, we are less than two weeks away from the Middle Podcast. Sixth anniversary party. We're entering year seven. And we're real excited about it. It's going to be a real fun night. You still, there's still time. I mean, up until the day before, there's still time to get here. So if, you, if you're still on the fence, I'd say make a decision, make your plans, and you know your accommodations, all that stuff. We're going to have fun with or without you. If you start walking now, 
you might be able to be there in time to have a beer with me and Ethan at the at the Metal Up Your Podcast. See you at the bar rally. That's right. It's going to be a see you at the bar rally. <laughs> instead of instead of Gideon Bibles, we're going to hand out cervezas. We're going to burn down and recap our year. We had a great year. We had listeners write in and tell us what maybe some of their favorite moments were. We're going to talk about all the stuff that we accomplished as a podcast. I'm excited. We've got the normal housekeeping. I do want to say at the top, thank you to three new patrons, Mike Dvorak, James Valva, and Joe Zappi. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that over there. And you're going to have some stats for us a little later on. Absolutely. Patreon activity. The, the only thing really in the news that I, I wanted to go over a little bit, thank you to uh, Metallaclaws himself, Chris Yerges, who is going to be at the party, who's bringing a bunch of stuff. He broke down the auction items from the All Within My Hands gig. Awesome. Which I wanted to just read a few of them to see if they're interesting. All right, let's do it. We didn't get to see them at the show, but he's put this. Uh, he put a nice little uh, presentation together for us. Of course he did. And I, f- I won't read the names of who bid, which a lot of these are anonymous. Um, some of these people we know. But James, Hef- the guitar he played, the acoustic guitar he played, went for $46,500. That was Paul Moat, for sure. Definitely Paul. And it looks like uh, James doodled uh, the rock and roll hand yeah. on it. Uh, and then all the boys signed it. Lars's Helping Hands drum pack went for 14000 Not as many excited drummers out there. Mm-hmm. Kirk's white Ouija 12-string acoustic, which is probably the coolest guitar of the evening, yeah. went for 41000 Oh, damn. Okay. Rob's bass went for 17. There was a NASCAR VIP experience, which I did Chris help put that together? Yeah, he, I can't remember. He did. He, he helped curate, okay. he curate that. So that went for 5,800 bucks. So way to go, Chris. That's awesome. Making a difference over there. For those of you who don't know, Metallic Claws works with NASCAR. The ultimate Metallica flyaway experience, which I'm not sure what it is. It says the NetJets VIP experience. I'm guessing that's sports related, maybe. That went for 42,000. Damn. Okay. Okay. Do you get to fly on like the Nets private jet or something? You get to hang out with Kevin Durant for six days straight. I'm told. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense because you have to you have to get to New Jersey to get on the plane first. Well, the Nets are in Brooklyn now, my friend. Well, I'm thinking old school here. <laughs> <laughs> they are in Brooklyn. You're right. Speaking of which, I went to my my uh, first Mavs game over the holidays. Yeah, dude, congrats. I, we were texting a bit uh, while you were at the game and a little bit after about your experience, and uh, I, I was really stoked for you and your wife, and saw that she also got on the jumbotron with her amazing <laughs> yeah. Luca pun sign. She made a sign that said it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Amazing. And, uh, yeah, we got some Jumbotron action. We got really good seats, thanks to uh, our friend Haley at WME, our booking agency. And it was really cool. The, the Mavericks won, got to see the Lakers play, got to see... I mean, it was really surreal to see like LeBron come out and do shoot-arounds. Mm-hmm. Um, the night before, on a whim, we went to the Cowboys game yeah. at uh, AT&T Stadium, which was crazy. That's awesome. They played the Eagles and won. My wife decided for some reason to go for the Eagles. I was going for the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, I think you or your wife posted a, a funny little quick video of you getting all stoked on the Cowboys, and she's chanting, go Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily for all, for her, and uh, we were in a section that had a lot of Eagles fans. So. Uh, okay. Well, because, you know, Dallas people and then, of course, Philadelphia people, they're kind of intense. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Philadelphia fans are definitely intense. Uh, I think... New England too. I, I even around Nashville, I see a lot of like Patriots gear and, and decals on cars and things like that. Philly fans are so crazy that one time when they won, a guy ate his own crap. That's how intense Philly. Listen, in the words of the great Philadelphian Rocky S. Balboa, you got to go the distance, man. A Christmas Day Rams ticket pregame field pass went for seven hundred bucks. I won't get too into sports talk here, but the Rams suck this year. But they did win the Super Bowl last year. A signed LTD guitar for sixteen thousand dollars. The, you know that crazy expensive load era looking turntable that will kill you if you fall on it. <laughs> yes. 
the Project Metallica turntable prototype went for thirty six hundred bucks, which is kind of what it almost costs anyway. Yeah, it's around it's around that. That's a it's a very expensive turntable. Badass looking. I would love to have one, but I'm not paying that. Four tickets to the Emmy Awards went for three thousand dollars. That's an interesting prize. Yeah, you've got these custom guitar string bracelets, which I think are kind of weird, kind of janky. But those went. Uh, Kirk's went for two thousand. James's went for forty seven hundred. Rob's went for sixteen hundred. These all are making sense to me, by the way. Yeah. Um. In in terms of who's get, pulling more money, a signed vinyl of the Helping Hands went for two thousand bucks. Damn. A custom built Metallica themed bicycle went for sixty five hundred. Now I'm guessing a lot of these were donated. Ooh, a signed Steph Curry jersey went for twenty one hundred dollars. Oh, that's cool. That's actually great. Another Los Angeles Chargers uh, VIP game day experience twenty one hundred bucks. A round of golf at the Riviera Country Club. Went for three thousand. I'm trying to find anything interesting. Some I disappear tickets went for seven grand for the M72 tour coming up. There's some signed Wolverine Metallica boots went for fourteen hundred. I'm scrolling through here. I'm trying to see the big money. An autographed fan can number three, which those are pretty rare these days, mm-hmm. went for two thousand bucks. So you're getting an idea of this. There's the black and white album. Uh, the Ross Alphon book went for thirty three hundred. Oh, I see one. The old Chris Yard. I I don't know. I won't say how much it went, but Chris Yard just got. And this is very on brand for him. A Metallica autographed S&M DVD promo poster. Uh, very much on brand. Very on brand for him. He's a big S&M guy. He's the guy that you'll probably see wearing the tuxedo uh, suit. There's a good chance. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was texting with him last night. He actually had a, a, a small part in helping with some helping me with some of these stats. I, uh, he's an engineer. For, like, as we mentioned, he works for NASCAR. So I just want to run. Because he, he did these stats for or helped with some stats in the past with us. So I just sent him everything. I said, hey, will you just look over this for me real quick? And then he had a, like a couple minor tweaks. And then he started sending me the most random stats, like the kind of stuff you hear in sports, too. You know, right. like, oh, this was the this was the third time in 17 and a half years that this guy scored a touchdown and a half. Like, just the most bizarre stats. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm super into that kind of analytics stuff. I always wonder who puts it together. Like, who's looking? I'm guessing there's like a matrix where you can just type in like the craziest parameters and it'll show you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Which, by the way, a game that me and Isabel were watching at my sister's house, Luka Doncic scored. He had 60 points, 21 rebounds, and 11 assists, which was the first time that it's ever been done in the NBA. I know. That's crazy. I, I was, it's I pretty was, weird to watch that in real time. Yeah, for sure. I was. Uh, I, I didn't watch that game, but I was... Uh, I saw all the posts about it afterwards. A pretty cool historic thing in basketball. Well, what was crazy is a couple, well, a couple of crazy things happened. First of all, it, he had a quiet points, which means you look at his stats and you're like, holy shit, he has a lot of points, but it didn't seem like that. The Mavs were down like by 10 the whole game. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a bummer. Like I was kind of watching it like, God, why am I watching this? Why do I love this team? It's losing. <laughs> right. But me and Isabel were watching like the last couple of minutes, maybe the last 10 minutes. She was kind of started watching it with me. And I looked at his stats and I was like, whoa, I was like, he has 45 points and like 14 rebounds. And I was like, that's actually insane. Mm -hmm. And then he just kept going. All right, so check this out. I'm not going to make this super long, but check this out because he did something that really never happens also. Okay. The Mavs are down by nine with 30 seconds left. Now, spoiler alert, the Mavs won. Yeah. But but okay, so we made we went on a nine to oh run. We tied the game. They hit a three. So we're down by three. Four seconds left. Luka gets fouled. Now, here's what you can do with four seconds left. You can hope you hit both free throws. Then you're down by one. They get the ball back. You foul them immediately. You send them to the line. You hope they miss one of their two free throws. And then you try to get you try to get back to the bucket again. Right, right. It's impossible to do in four seconds. Now, another thing you can do, you hit your first uh, free throw, and you have one free throw left. Now, you can do a thing where you intentionally miss the free throw and try to get your own rebound 
for a putback. Mm-hmm. But the ball has to touch the rim. You never know where it's going to shoot off. It's an impossible shot. Right. So if Luca hits his first free throw, we're down by two now. He does the whole intentional thing that never works. He gets his own rebound, bing, puts it back in, game tied, game goes to overtime. Amazing. And then he would go on to do 60 points, 21 rebounds, and 11 assists. That's so crazy. it was just a crazy game to watch. The, uh, wasn't the, the last person to do that, Kareem? Or not do that, but but come close. The only other person that has a 60-point triple-double is James Harden. You mean okay. the last person to put a put-back in? Yeah. I, I didn't see any stats on who the last person... I mean, occasionally it happens. It's just so rare. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I could see it being Kareem because he was so tall. Yeah. You know, with that hook shot. But speaking of Kareem, the, another thing that they bid on, there's a suite for an L.A. Lakers 76ers game. Went for 5500 You'll dig this. A Kobe Bryant print and book bundle went for 1000 Cool. I'm trying to see if there's, there's a lot of sports-related stuff, like L.A. sports-related stuff. Yeah. Some prints. I'm trying to find, like, the high-money stuff. I, the big stuff we named is really those guitars. Oh, a Metallica autographed T63 by Nash Guitars, which looks like a cool... It looks kind of like your Joe Strummer Telecaster. Oh, okay, yeah. It's like a matte finish. That went for $9,600. Yeah, they make great guitars. All right, well, that's kind of a... That's kind of just a summation of the stuff. I wanted to hit some <laughs> of that. Maybe some uh, basketball talk weaved in here as of yet. All right, we're on all the socials. You know what they are. Anything to say about the socials? Uh, the socials, we're on all the ones that uh, are dying. We've mentioned that before. We're not on TikTok, unfortunately. But, yeah, follow us on the socials. It's a good way to just see what we're up to, see what's coming up. Uh, we'll post some extra stuff on there. You know, recently I did a behind-the-scenes video of us doing an episode at, at the Smokestack, things like it's that. It's a big hit. Everyone really liked hey, it. Hey, it was a hit, man. I, I mean, I'll take the Oscar now if you want to give it to me. But uh, I do want to give it to you. You know what? And the Oscar goes to for best behind-the-scenes documentary footage of a podcast. The Oscar goes to Ethan Luck of Metal Up Your Podcast. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. I wasn't prepared for this. I was not prepared, but I'd like to thank Clint, my, my, my co-host, uh, Paul Moog, for, and his staff. They're just amazing people, and the Academy. Thank you. So Twitter, everyone's melting down about Twitter because Elon Musk, who everyone loved like two years ago, now everyone's decided to hate. <laughs> he bought it, and he's making a lot of questionable decisions about how to run it, right? Right. So now there's, it's fragmented into so, like, there's so many other different ones now. And I have reached the age where I'm no longer interested in figuring out how to use it. I don't care anymore. I'm mean, not going to get on Mastodon. I'm not going to get on Truth Social. No. I'm not going to get on Parler. I'm not going to get on Cracked. Or what, like, there are all these cute names for them all now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I don't care. I, I, the last thing I need, and I'm guessing you're the same way, in our lives is another social media platform. Unless there was something that came out that was like, wow, this is really helpful in this way or whatever. But odds of that happening are probably slim to none for me. Well, what's funny is the only reason I know about all these other ones is that people keep coming back to Twitter saying, by, and by the way, follow me on uh, whatever, yeah, follow exactly. me on, on Dipsel. I'm out, I'm out of here. And then a week later, they're like, oh, and one more thing. I know. I kind of want, I'm just like, well, why are you still here? I mean, go forth, be well. Yeah. May God bless your endeavors for literally for all eternity. I sincerely mean it. I will pray to that right now. Yeah. God and, and Buddha and all of them. But get the fuck out of here if you're leaving. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs> Go. <laughs> because here's my thing. First of all, Twitter was always kind of a nightmare. Yes. It didn't suddenly become horrible. B, you can curate your own algorithms. Like, here's all I see on Twitter sports. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. It's really great. People are like, why do I all of a sudden seeing all these conservative pundits? I'm like, because you keep talking about conservative pundits. Don't you know how it works? Yeah. Even when you complain about it, you're feeding the algorithm something to send you because agitation is engagement. Yeah. And the more agitated you are, more engaged you are, that's all they care about. Guess what? 
these companies don't care about politics. No. They don't care how you vote. They don't care what's moral or right or wrong. All they care about is it's a war on your time mm -hmm. and they're winning every time you pitch a fit. Exactly. You, that's 100% correct. <laughs> so just curate it to whatever you like. All I get is sports stuff. The only thing about the Elon purchase of Twitter, to me, it's just it's funny and it's kind of entertaining whenever I see someone retweet something about it. I'm like, ah, oh, that's hilarious. At the end of the day, I really don't care. If Twitter just went away tomorrow, my life would not change. Yeah, we'd be fine. I'd be like, oh, darn. Okay. So I'm not going to look at that anymore. I even, in the last few months, started muting a couple political things I follow. And it's amazing how quickly like your feed just becomes pleasant. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean... Me and Isabel had a big break from the news starting around 2016. It's been great. Yeah. I have no problems. Right. It's it's all my friends. It's all music and it's all sports. Yeah, totally. Uh, we're on all those. <laughs> <We're> on... <laughs> Easiest way to get a hold of us, and you won't be getting any kind of a uh, political um, outrage engagement, is our email address, which is email. Uh, <laughs> it's email dot com at email at email. It's metal up your podcast show at gmail dot com. We're going to dip in now to the email portal, hear what the good people have to say. Then we're going to break down our year, and we're going to talk about some of the music we've been loving this year. And I'm excited about that. Maybe make a little top 10 list apiece. That's right. So let's kick it to the email corner. GeoCities. I had a GeoCities page. Yeah. Because when I was in high school, I was what's called a Dave Matthews band tape trader. Okay. And back then when you were a tape trader, you had to have a website of all the shit you had mm -hmm. because when you were t trading, you had to be able to say, say to somebody, you had to be able to have a presentation to send someone like, I've got these 50 shows. And then they would send you their page. And then you would say, all right, I want Red Rocks 96. Um, I want that Dave and Tim acoustic winter tour 99. Yeah. Um, and I, I, and I see that you have an A plus plus copy of, you know, of Yoshi's uh, uh, on May 5th, 1995. And I have a B plus copy. So I want those three things. And then he looks at your list and goes, uh, you don't really have anything I want. I'll take, you know, and then he'll name two shows I have. Yeah. And then you would dub them and then you would mail them and everyone paid for their own shipping. That's, see, I think that's great. I think that's so much fun. I'm going to use another spiritual word since this is kind of a spiritual episode. It was like being in heaven. Yeah. Like when those packages would arrive and you could, I mean, I had a big revolving cassette holder in my room in high school. Yeah. And it just had all my Dave shows, all meticulously printed out labels, all, of course, in the order of the year. I mean, I'd be listening to whatever the new thing was and loving it. And then I would just stare at this, this collection. I do it to this day with like with my records, you know, it's mm -hmm. like these things just bring you so much joy. Yeah. It was a sure. really, really great time. Well, while you, while you had the uh, GeoCities page, I had a Zanga page. Remember that? No, is that the same thing? Like, GeoCities was just a really simple way to put text on a page, and then you could, like, yeah. make the background a different color. Yeah, Zanga was kind of like, uh, it was like a free blogging site, basically. Similar to, like, you know, when people, uh, I'm trying to think, Blogspot was another one. Yeah, I had LiveJournal. Yeah, LiveJournal, that's another one. Uh, yeah, Zanga was like that, and then I remember, like, initially, like, I would, like, you know, blog from the road, like, today we played at the Rave in Milwaukee or whatever. Right. And then I felt really dumb for doing it, so I started a band one at the time, and then that became kind of fun, but that was the extent of my blogging career. <laughs> Those are the old days, the good old days. The olden days, for sure. Well, why don't you lead us off on this email? I think I'd like to do that. You know, it's a new year. Let's do a new thing. New format. That's right. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> First email is from Nicholas W. Nicholas says, hey, guys, I just discovered your podcast, and I'm loving it. I'm a huge metalhead, and like most, Metallica was the band that opened my eyes to heavy metal. 
The year was 1991, and my cousin was the coolest person ever. He always wore maiden shirts, but one day he was wearing a crisp new shirt that didn't have Eddie on it. It was Four Faces, um, the Four Faces Black Album shirt. Wanting to impress him, I told him I liked his shirt. Him giving me my first dose of metal head elitism, he says, what's your favorite song? Obviously, I had no answer being seven years old. <laughs> Seeing what I'm, I'm trying to do, he walks outside uh, to his uh, Elrock Z. Is that a car? I don't know. I'm guessing. I don't know. Uh, and grabs something. He walks back and holds out a cassette to Injustice for All. Now, I'm not only uh, sorry. Uh, now, I'm not sure why exactly he said the next thing. He said, you can either be a Metallica fan or a Guns N' Roses fan. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, probably from the uh, riot thing. I don't hate GNR, but but I would buy Lulu before any Guns N' Roses. That's wild. Mm, That's wild. Yikes. I disagree with that. Uh, and yes, I'm fine with being brainwashed. Uh, I've seen Talica many times, and my favorite show has has to be the Orion Festival t- uh, 2012. That's a bit of a hallmark of being brainwashed, right? They're, they're, if you're going to brainwash somebody, you may as well, you know, the last ingredient to put in is make them also happy to be brainwashed. Right. I guess so. Right. Yeah. Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, Stockholm. That's what it is. Yeah, totally. Um, wanting to know what you guys thought about it, I quickly scrolled through your entire back catalog to find out you haven't done an episode dedicated to that unforgettable weekend. And I mean unforgettable. Uh, I was 28 and about two months into a well-needed divorce, a weekend filled with sex, drugs, and rock and roll with five of my oldest friends in Atlantic City was exactly what I needed. The entire weekend was perfect, except for the cringe-inducing little ditty that James sang, Metallica Orion together at last on both nights. Uh, I'm not sure what that is exactly, but um, uh, I'm not sure if you guys know about this, and I'm sorry if you've gone over it before. Sorry for the rambling and any grammar mistakes. Nick W. from Long Island. I just like that he had sex with five of his oldest friends. I know. That's that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, it's great that you're that close. You guys can just do that. <laughs> I mean, you should have sex with people that you love. I mean, you know, that's just my one of my beliefs. Yeah, for sure. Um, Five-year-old is friends. That sounds like a really good time. You're going to know each other very well. Hell yeah. Uh, intimate details. Love it. I haven't dipped into the details of the 2012 Orion Festival. We're going to cover it when we get to that year. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he's talking about with the cringe-inducing little ditty that James sings. Yeah. But I'm sure we'll find out soon enough. Yeah, for sure. All right, Cody Martin, Ethan and Clint, hope you and your families had a great Christmas. We did. Thank you. Yep. Same to you. I'm writing for the first time, and I'm currently on episode 32 from June 23rd, 2022. That can't be right. He must have the year wrong, because he says it's the Detroit recap show, which that was 2017, right? Uh, yeah, 2017, I believe, yeah. That would have been June of 2017. All right, a brief background on my Metallica fandom. I discovered Metallica in the mid to late 2000s when I was in middle school through my cousin who introduced me to metal music. Metallica ultimately became the gateway band to the much heavier stuff I would go on to and still listen to today. From the jump, I was absolutely obsessed with them, starting with the Black Album and working my way back to Kill Em All. Not too terribly long after I had discovered the band did they announce and release Death Magnetic, which I love and would be my first show. I lived in Amarillo, Texas at the time, and my parents surprised me with tickets to the Dallas show, which as a 13, 14-year-old kid, I was ecstatic. Sometime after that, I started to slowly get away from Metallica as I discovered heavier and heavier music, hardcore, death, metalcore, etc., but always considered Metallica my number one band of all time since they were responsible for everything that followed. Jump forward to roughly 10 months ago, and something sparked my interest in them. I think it was finally watching through the Never on Netflix. And just as strongly as the first time, I completely refell in love with them. I became obsessed and was able to discover this band for a second time and can now say I'm an even bigger fan than I was the first time around. I'm in deep, bros. Yeah. This is what led me to your podcast. I was starving for anything Metallica, especially anything James Hetfield, and was scouring the internet for interviews and really anything discussing the band. 
From the first episode, I was hooked on your show. Unfortunately, I do not share the love for metal music with any of my friends. So finding someone who can match my love and obsessiveness is comforting and exciting. You guys truly make me feel like I have a couple of friends who love this stuff as much as I do. Thank you for creating something that truly scratches my Metallica itch. Uh, Happy to share my third time seeing them will be on the upcoming M72 tour in Arlington. I was able to get two tickets and got the one enhanced experience. I actually got the okay for my wife to get the Nothing Else Matters experience, but they were all sold out by the time I was able to get in the pre-sale. Apparently, Arlington is a popular show, which, again, we were just there at the Cowboys game. Amazing stadium. That's right. Needless to say, I am way behind on episodes, but have vowed to listen to everything in order, and I plan to be caught up before the show in August. I've not done the math, so I don't know exactly what I'm in for, but I'm pretty sure it's possible. Sorry for the long-ass email. I will keep emailing you with progress on my journey throughout your entire backlog as I get closer to listening live. Beers on me if either or both of you come through the Dallas area. P.S. Hopefully Torben is still around. Yes. And you guys still read emails to kick off the show. <laughs> and then he gives a few little stats here. His favorite album is Justice. He's been to two shows, the third one coming up on M72. And he says he counts here his fucks given uh, amount, which is none. Zero. Okay. That's a good number. Yeah, that's pretty good. He says, you're met, bro. Cody from Dallas, technically Prosper, Texas. And then, of course, he's not too early in the podcast to get the joke because he writes... New Jersey. New Jersey, which is, it's wild to think. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't dawn on me that New Jersey thing started year one. <laughs> I hope Chris does the thing he did for one of our parties where he brings signs that say, welcome to New Jersey. Yeah, which got stolen, by the way. Yeah. Well, I mean. Show yourself. Fans of the show uh, wanted mementos from the party. Oh, yeah. I'm happy to let him have it. Oh, it's fine. I, if I, they were actually stolen by like East Nashville hobos who didn't care about our podcast, I would be mad. Yeah. Well, maybe one day I'll be driving down the same street and I'll see a, a dude on the corner with a sign that says, Welcome to New Jersey. <laughs> right. We'll work for food. Also, Welcome to New Jersey. And I'll pull over and be like, Excuse me, sir. That's mine. Thank you, Cody, for the email. We appreciate it, dude. And stoked Thank for you, you to go to the, your third show on the M72 tour. Next email is from Jay Middleton. He says, Good day to you, sirs. Good day, sir. We have one last email. One last yeah. email for Paul, yeah. Jay Middleton. What up, Jay? Hey, Jay? Good day to you, sir. Good day, sir. Good day. <laughs> you didn't read the small print. You didn't return the overlapping gobs. Right? Good day, sir. <laughs> you stole fizzy lifting drink. <laughs> Good day. Good day to you, sir. It's in that room where everything's cut in half, man. Yeah. Anyway, he started by saying, Good day to you, sir. Good day, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I just like yelling into the mic like that. <laughs> yeah. Let me start it. Good day to you, sirs. I've honestly been Good having... day, sir. <laughs> Good day, sir. <laughs> you do not win. You do not get the million dollars. <laughs> you lose. <laughs> you you lose. stole lose. a busy lifting drink. <laughs> stole an everlasting gobstopper. Oh, it dude. is clearly written in the small print, page 17 of the contract you clearly signed. <laughs> the ceiling has to be cleaned and disinfected. <laughs> Just checking in to say hi to you all. Been excited as much as everyone else about the new Metallica news. Got my GA tickets for both nights in Seattle. It's so exciting. Wish I could make it to the party. But with my son arriving within a month of the party, I don't see myself making the trip. I will be there in spirit. Well, congrats in advance on your son arriving. Yay. Yay. Uh, I read an in- interesting article with Devin Townsend about the state of touring right now. Due to inflation, it's very difficult to be making money for most bands right now, mainly because of the inflation that has happened in the last two years. Everything is so GD expensive, and I agree. It is sad to see touring bands go through this because we all want them to be doing what they do best. My question to you guys is, are you seeing 
that's heavily affecting your tours or people close to you? Are we just seeing higher ticket prices because of, because of this as well? I honestly would not care about paying more to see artists if it helps them be able to make a living. I mean, breaking down the price for Metallica tickets alone for GA seemed like about the same price I'd pay last time I saw them at Lumen Field in Seattle. Thank you for all you guys do, the podcast, and for what you do for us listeners. You guys are my favorite podcast since I found you. It's become my Monday morning ritual. Much love to you and your families this holiday season. Jay. Happy holidays, Jay. And congrats on that other kiddo. He's already got a kid. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. A few, I guess during the pandemic, he was one of the dudes that I did guitar lessons with. Yeah, awesome. I was doing like IG lives and a couple people were like, hey, would you mind doing lessons? So I did some lessons for some Melody Podcast Very cool. people. He was one of the dudes I did it. Here's the thing. He was real good at guitar. He is good. I was like, I don't, I don't know how much I can teach you, dude. You're already pretty <laughs> damn good at guitar. He's also in a in a band up there. Really cool dude. I'm glad he's on the right. Yeah, Jay's us. awesome. Good friend of the show. In terms of yeah, tour like the touring landscape's crazy. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, I hate to say it, but Lars was right, and I've been banging that drum too this entire podcast. Unfortunately, it's over. No one cares anymore. So yeah, if bands, if the only way for bands to make money is to be on the road, then every band's going to tour all the time now. Yeah. Not only that gas prices going up like all the supply chain stuff that's affecting like the cost of your eggs in the grocery store is also affecting mm-hmm. music and touring yeah for sure flights are more expensive hotels are more expensive gas is more expensive like touring is not making a lot of sense for people yeah for sure and it could definitely affect even the morgan way camp next year like it's got to make some like people can't lose money to go on tour yeah yeah you, yeah you can maybe your very first tour ever you might be you know in the hole a little bit but that's kind of what it is to to build a new entity you know a touring entity but yeah you can't just keep touring and not making money and, and that makes zero sense at all and it's it's tough because things are more expensive for everybody so the fans are like well the tickets are more expensive mm-hmm. and the artists are like yeah but they have i mean we have to make sense of it and dude do you ever get on the gearpage.net uh i haven't been on there in a long time i look at it every day but it's a it's basically a gear forum it's a forum for for guitars and pedals and yeah all, all sorts of crap and there was a big thread the other day where a band was like, we lost like 40 grand to go tour, you know, mm-hmm. like we, we didn't think we would make a bunch of money, but we didn't think we would lose $40,000. Yeah. And the, and they kind of broke down the economics of what it was like, like gas was 40% higher. Merch sales were like 40% lower ticket sales were 20%. Like, you know, they had projected goals mm-hmm. and everything was a little lower than they thought. And then the prices for hotels and gas were a little higher than they thought. Right you know, eight weeks later, they're $40,000 in the hole, which basically a mid-level band, that'll just destroy a band. I can absolutely destroy a band. Goodbye to the band, you know, bye-bye your favorite band, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I mean, my one of my favorite bands was the Damwells, who had to break up in the early aughts, which there weren't a lot of economic troubles then for bands, but they just couldn't, they just couldn't make sense of it. And they were getting older. Yeah. That's easily one of my favorite bands. And they no longer exist. Not because the drummer slept with the lead singer's wife or because they quit making albums that were good. They literally had to quit making music because of economics. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a very common tale. There's a lot of bands out there that maybe you like that are kind of mid to lower level touring bands that, you know, the bands that no one's heard of yet or something like that. And it's some, if, if you're not making money on the road, you know, you just you don't tour, you know, and you might stay home and make records still, but those cost money too. Well, the the all the dummies on this forum. So this forum is filled with a really knowledgeable gear people. Yeah, but a lot of people who are not professionals. I'm sure. <laughs> In fact, most of them aren't, and they kind of they kind of try to find ways to make fun of professionals. In my opinion, to soothe the it, you know the spiritual wound that they themselves have for not being able to cut it professionally. Yeah, that's my opinion. Yep. 
Now, I'm a professional on there, and I never comment on anything. I lurk, because I'm really just there for information. Sure. But this thread caught my eye, and it was amazing how many of these people were like, sounds like this band just needs to start crashing on people's floors. And yeah. Like, they had, they basically were like, they thought the band was complaining, like, you're the one who chose to play guitar for a living. And it's just like, whoa, dude. I mean, do you like music? Do you, uh, ostensibly, you listen <laughs> yeah, to right. music and like music. Don't you think that people should be paid a living wage to make them? Like, what do you think people are supposed to do? If everyone has to have a day job just to make music, then they can't deliver the music to you. They can't write their best material. Mm -hmm. Like, the people who make art have to be compensated for it so they can keep making yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's really simple. Yeah, I, yeah. And so here's what it's going to break down to. It's going to, and it's been this way for like maybe 15 years, is only trust fund kids can make music now. Is that what you want? Do you want a kid who's been handed everything in his life? You think that kid's going to write the soundtrack of your life as you struggle out there as a mm -hmm. normal person like I was when I was a kid, trapped in Birmingham, Alabama, in a in a, a sometimes nightmare scenario where my only doorways out of that world were my favorite records? Yeah. Who, written by people like Axl Rose, who himself was one of these kids in Indiana. Mm -hmm. Yep. So now you have to be independently wealthy to make music. That's not good, by the way. That's not good. I'm not saying that wealthy kids can't make good music. You don't want it to be the market cornered by people who just were given everything. Right, yeah. What, they're not going to tell an interesting story, and they're not going to tell your story if you don't come from much, which that's a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. Number two, after the rich kids, the rich kids aren't safe from it either, because here's what else is coming. AI-generated music. So you've already got it in the art community. I don't know if any of you guys have all seen this, but now you can type in words mm -hmm. into a matrix or an algorithm machine, and it'll just spit out original artwork. Yeah. It's pretty wild, man. Have you seen this? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. I definitely do. Yeah, for sure. You can type in, like, you know, um, Mick Jagger on a spaceship in the desert eating a candy bar. Yeah. And it'll spit out, like, really crazy artwork of that. Yeah, real wild-looking stuff. That you can then use for anything you want. I know. It's so weird. So if you're a metal band... You know, and, and if you're Cannibal Corpse, I guess, you know, you want to you want to draw like a zombie child eating, you know, a fetus um, in space. What Cannibal Corpse used to have to do was hire an artist that could do that. And mm -hmm. probably that artist was good at it. Yeah, for sure. And artists designed all those crazy Cannibal Corpse records. In yeah, fact, <laughs> someone true. probably has those prints up in their house. Yeah, those are paintings in some living room. Well, like think about the cover of like Seasons of the Abyss and stuff like some of these covers are amazing. Artists made those. Yeah, yeah. Think about but this is before Photoshop too. I mean, you, you you know, I remember watching a random video of Sebastian Bach from Skid Row, un, uh, opening some reissue or whatever, and behind him was the Slave to the Grind painting. Yeah. That they used for the cover that his dad did. It's probably a massive actual canvas painting. It's it, yeah, it looks huge. It looks like it's like seven feet long. Because it's an actual piece of art, like the the Destroyer cover art and the Love Gun cover art for Kiss. Those are huge pieces of art that were used for the record. Even the cover of Vampire, my record Vampire, it's these like vampire teeth like for Halloween mm -hmm. that are like opened up. And it that's an actual photograph. My friend Hunter Barrow, who's an artist, a great artist, he did Lunar Satan. He's doing my new record. He actually found textured backgrounds and took photos. It's not like clip art from some bullshit. Anyway. Yeah. So AI-generated art's happening. There's a big conversation happening now about the future of artists, where they're like, well, if a computer can just start generating original art now, then what does that mean for people who've spent their whole lives developing a craft? Yeah, for sure. So here's what's next. A little matrix or a little algor algorithm machine that says, um, 
Katy Perry's first record mixed with Bon Iver's sensibilities, the lyrics of Jeff Tweedy, and the phrasing of Leonard Cohen. Mm -hmm. And it's going to start spitting that music out. I know, that's so wild to think about. And it's going to be horrible at first, but it's going to continue to get better. It'll eventually get better, yeah. So then, how about a company like Spotify going, wow, you know, we quote-unquote love artists, and we want to figure out ways to pay artists, even though they actively fight against it. How about when they start going, well, if we can just start self-generating our own AI music, we no longer have to pay any licensing fees for mm -hmm. our ads. Right, yeah. And and then, I mean, right, this isn't like some, uh, this isn't 2001 Space Odyssey conversation. No, not at that all. That Stanley Kubrick was making in the 60s. This is happening. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely happening. And companies like Spotify will take full advantage of it once it gets to a, a place where it, it doesn't seem like it's something fake, I guess, or something made up by a AI. Yeah, I mean, it's really not great news. The, the good news is we're aware of it, and there are things that can be put in place to protect creative people. Mm -hmm. But if you just keep zooming out, I mean, jobs jobs for human beings are just going away all across the board. Yeah, There's like an entire McDonald's that doesn't have any employees now. <laughs> so crazy <laughs> it's easy for me to see and be like well i make music and music's important but actually is it the person that makes mcdonald's hamburgers they need to work and feed their kids too so yeah, exactly you know it's a big problem that we got to figure out Tour touring is just one part of the frankenstein it really is yeah did, did ever is everyone uh, <laughs> full of hope now that i bum everybody out <laughs> i think we need to see you at the poll rally to recover from this yeah about to say i think we need to start reading those uh gideon new testaments see if there's any hope in that book i'll bring the donuts all right our last email is from sean gorman this is a little more on the upswing and then we'll get into our year sean gorman says hey guys so that he's writing around the time that lux Eterna came out so this is a, a few weeks old he says i have covid right now i'm fine but for the past week i haven't been able to do much except drink nyquil and stare at the wall and think about useless stuff and of course send you guys an email about the useless stuff I've been thinking about on NyQuil. Anyway, I've heard a fair number of people, especially musicians, say that the riffs in the new Metallica songs sound a lot like the riffs in the old Metallica songs, and they're completely right, but I contend that's exactly the point. Listen to the lyrics, Lux Eterna, Latin for Eternal Light, literally about Metallica. As the band enters the twilight years of their careers and lives, Lux Eterna is about the history of Metallica and the musical legacy they will leave behind. Metallica is that rare artistic creature, like Mozart or Beethoven, that's lucky enough to know in the present day, while they're still alive, that their music will be listened to and appreciated long after they're gone. That's a great point, by the way. Yeah. He says, Eternal Light, get it? Listen to Hit the Lights and then listen to Lux Eterna. The two songs bookend the last 30 years of their career, both musically and lyrically. It's awesome. You know what else is awesome? The fact that this song is also a tribute to Metallica's musical influences. Clint was totally right. Lux Eterna is pretty much a thrashier, Diamond Head song with way better production. Fucking great. Anyway, I'm going to go back to staring at the wall now and maybe expostulate on the legacy and artistic value of Cardi B and WAP, which I won't say what that stands for. Right. One more quick question, though. If given the option, would you rather live in Paris for one year with a weekly stipend of $2,000 or would you rather stand on the surface of the moon for 10 minutes? Thank you. That is all. Sean Gorman from Parts Unknown, Massachusetts. Mm. I think his parts unknown thing is a little nod to his. Uh, he has a he works in wrestling, in professional wrestling. It's like a manager. Yeah, him and I him and I email quite a bit about old wrestling stuff. It's quite fun. But he's been to one of our. Are you going to break down what the reference is for us? Well, well, parts unknown. There, there's always been characters in the past. Like you know, you, you introduce any character, it's like you know. If, the big boss man from back in you know eighties nineties WWF was like from Cobb County Georgia you know but then it'd be like you know Undertaker was from Death Valley California and then there would be certain like mankind was like from parts unknown you know it's like it, it adds more mystery to this gotcha. character you know all right well answer his question you either get a year in Paris with a weekly stipend of two thousand dollars or you can stand on the surface of the moon for ten minutes I'm actually going to choose surface of the moon for ten minutes even though I'd be terrified as hell to get into a 
spaceship and make the journey there. Right. But I mean, that's like some, you know, I've been to Paris many times, not with $2,000 every week and Paris is amazing and I would love to go back. But, uh, yeah, I think that's a once in a lifetime opportunity to stand on the moon for 10 minutes. Hmm. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't tweet about it, and, and you know, like a lot of these other rich guys that want to go to the moon for fun or go to outer space or whatever. But I, I don't know. I think that would that would uh, have a longer lasting impression on my life. Interesting. What about you? I'm going to take the two grand a week in Paris for a year. Yeah, that's pretty awesome too. I just think it's a way better deal. I agree with you. I think it's a way better deal financially. Uh, you're getting way more life experience over the course of an entire year that is essentially paid for. I mean, that's that's eight grand a month, you know, to live over there. Yeah. So uh, I'm just going with the like, well, this is this is this opportunity. I mean, both opportunities will never happen again, but <clears throat> standing on the moon for 10 minutes would be pretty badass, I think. <laughs> yeah. And maybe, you know, you can get up there for 10 minutes and write a Lunar Satan song on the moon. Don't need it. Write plenty of them right here. In fact, if I'm getting if, there, if I'm getting basically like 80 grand, if I'm getting just a year's salary to live in Paris, I'm going to like write a novel or something. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to go. I'm going to channel the great 20s bursts of writers. You got Hemingway, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Henry Miller, Celine, Ezra Pound. I'm going to channel all that great sauce, and I'm going to write uh, the next great American novel in Paris. Okay, there you go. Or just eat a lot of beignets. <laughs> eat, a, eat, eat a lot of croissants. and Just drink a lot of coffee sitting out in a cafe. Grab a bottle of wine and, and a baguette and go sit in the yeah. park by the Eiffel Tower and ponder life and... Or don't. <laughs> That's actually a lot more likely, <laughs> rather than writing the next great American novel. Yeah, you'll get you'll you'll get the the, the golden idea like on day three sixty four. You're like, I've got it. And like, well, we got to leave tomorrow. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Sean, for the uh, excellent insight into the song "Looks Eterna" and uh, for the wonderful question. We appreciate everyone who writes in. Of course, anyone who supports the show. We're going to leave you with a commercial for Patreon now. Basically, on Patreon, which is a trusted platform which they take a cut of it, of course. Uh, you can donate to the show. You can be part of what makes the show cool, what keeps us going, what helps pay for things like this party coming up, what helps pay for us to make the cover of our Black and EPs and send out gifts, send out special vinyl. We've even bought tickets for people to go to shows. So That's right. Uh, Patreon's how you do it. It's how you buy us a beer or a coffee a month. Usually it's five bucks. You can, you can donate up to 50, I think. But five bucks a month generally is what most people do. Yes. And it really goes a long way. It means a lot to us. It's important to support the people who make the things that you love because they're not made in a vacuum. We're sitting here giving our time. It took time to put all this together and uh, it takes time to edit it, to produce it. With that in mind, here's the Patreon commercial. If you can't do it because times are tough, it's weird out there, yeah. no problem. We are just grateful that you listen, but you could tell a buddy about it on whichever social media platform you went to after Elon Musk ruined your life on Twitter. If you're on TikTok, or if you have a blog, or even if you have a podcast, it also goes a long way and it's, it doesn't cost you anything to at least mention us, send people our way. We appreciate it. We'll see you after the break. Peace. Hey, everyone. Clinton Ethan here, and we want to tell you about a little thing called Patreon. Patreon is an easy and interactive way to support the people who make the things that you love. For as little as five bucks a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast can continue to grow in quality and content. That's equivalent to a cup of coffee or a beer once a month. Not only is it easy and affordable, but we've made it a priority since day one to give back to our Patreon community. 
We've given away deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, black and whiskey, concert tickets to SM2 and Slane Castle, all four of our Cover Our World Black and EPs, 26 quarantine covers, and Lunar Satan demos, invitations to exclusive Zoom happy hours, the ability to ask our guests like Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, Lizzie Hale, and members of the Metallica crew your very own questions, and eligibility for our Metal Tale series where you can be a guest on Metal Up Your Podcast and tell us all about a notable Metallica show you've been to. Subscribe to Patreon today and immediately get access to years worth of bonus content. Thank you for supporting the people who make the things that you love. Peace. Adios. I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, new print. Little, yellow, different. All right, well, let's uh, let's talk about let's talk about ourselves. What do you say? I would love to talk more about me. All right. Well, listen, we have a podcast, and every year we uh, we finish out a year and we start a new one, and this is no different. And we're going to talk about some just random stats that I've put together with the help of Mr. Metalliclaus, Chris Yurgis. And uh, just, yeah, some bunch of, some random, but just all just basic facts of the podcast, things we, guests we've had, how many times people have been on, things like that. Um, are you ready, Clint? I'm ready. Let's hear it. All right. Well, we did 61 total episodes. 10 of those were Metal Tales. Four of those were Deep Cut Dives, which were Fixer, Attitude, Shortest Straw, and Lux Eterna. Three Tangent, tangent Cities with our friend Paul. Four Year in the Life of Metallica episodes. And six Turn the Page episodes. I always think there's going to be more of some of these. I know, right? I think the same thing. And I went through, like I had the podcast app open, and I'm going through and counting everything and quadruple counting and then sending it to Chris, hey, double check this. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Like It seems like we did more than three Tangent Cities last year, but we also had Paul on a couple other episodes as well. I love the Turn the Page series. We're, gonna have to, we're probably going to have to bring that back next year in the spring for sure. That seemed to become like our, our, our tour series, you know, talking to other people in other bands, crew people, things like that, which which we will continue uh, this spring because we're going to be on a never-ending tour, basically. So right. It's kind of like the, uh, who is this never-ending tour? Bob Dylan. Yeah. Just a guy named Bob Dylan. Just a guy named Bob Dylan. What's this? What's Robert? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So here's some numbers for you. Uh, total downloads for the year, 303,487. That's quite a few downloads. That's an average of 25,290 a month, 5,836 a week, and 831 a day. And our most popular month was right smack dab in the middle of summer, which was July with 27,697 downloads. Nice. Yeah, pretty good. Talking about our patrons again, this, this year we had 49 new patrons, which is pretty awesome. Yay, Give patrons. it up for them. And our Discord is now up to 411 members as of yesterday, which is yeah, great. Yeah, the Discord's been been blowing up lately. Well, listen, I mean, when the dudes, you know, announced the new song, new album, new tour, um, you made a post or two about joining us on Discord, and it just started, I mean, I feel like every day we're waving high at somebody new on there, which is amazing. It's a great community, great place to talk about things other than Metallica. You can talk about Metallica, of course. Uh, it's a very popular channel, but all sorts of stuff from food to vinyl to in general topics to travel to films and TV shows, things like that. It's real fun. I get on there about every day and, and interact with people and uh, yeah, join us, go to our, go to one of our socials and go to the link in, or the link in the bio, which is like a link tree thing. And you can, it's like the second one down, you can sign up. I think what happens is, cause I had this when, by the way, shout out to Anthony Broom who created the discord for That's us, right. who we've gotten to hang out with in Detroit, who we're going to see again soon. 
also a fellow sports nut. When he explained it to me, he was like, hey, we should start a Mill Up Your Podcast Discord. This was during COVID. And I was like, I don't know what any of that is. <laughs> right. Old man doesn't get it. I think most people just don't understand what it is. It's basically just a message board. Yeah, exactly. And then like Ethan just said, it's not just that it does. It's not only about us or the podcast, although it is a place where a lot of us talk about the podcast or having a lot of conversations about current episodes, blah, blah, blah. But it's really about anything. There's mm-hmm. a there's a subcategory like message board for like, yeah, everything, music and movies and shows you've gone to and vinyl you're collecting and it's really become a very cool place i think people just kind of hear discord and they don't really know what it is so yeah yeah there's the link tree in our instagram but then also i think there's a link to the discord in the show notes of every episode yeah there's it's on there too as well um yeah it's are you on any other discord servers yeah i am i'm on a i'm on a walkman one and a sam harris one. Oh, nice very cool i've tried to get on a couple other ones here and there and i find myself kind of like when you're, when you're talking about reading through the the that gear page i'm more of a lurker you know because some of them are yeah. a little overwhelming there's a, a, a dude's youtube channel i follow he's this guy who's like an atheist he's, he grew up as a jehovah's witness and he does a lot of videos on like the dangers of cults and things like that what's his name his name is owen morgan he has a, a youtube channel called telltale hmm. and 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 he it gets into uh, political stuff too because there's certain things he views as cultish and blah 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 it's it's i find it very entertaining and, and can be very informative anyways i saw that he had a discord page and i went on there it was like 1500 members on there Damn. It felt a little overwhelming. I was like, I'm not posting on here. <laughs> like, but it was it's fun to go through and look through stuff and but you should join our Discord server because it's a good time. Everyone's really cool over there. There's, you know, it's very rare there's any drama. Almost never. So it's a it's a fun place to be. So join us, will you? Yep. All right. So this is uh some of the stuff that Chris here just helped me with here, which is really fun. This is the total time breakdown of the podcast episodes we we released this year. It would cover three days, 23 hours, and 13 minutes of your life if you listen to it all the way through from January 1st until our last episode with Avi. That equates to 3.97 days, 95.23 hours, 5,714 minutes, 340,828 seconds. Now, these are specifically from Chris Yerges here. In a 747, their top speed, we could fly around the earth two and a half times. At 75 miles per hour, you could drive from Nashville to LA to New York to Miami and back to Nashville. Which maybe that could be our road trip. That sounds like so much fun. Every year we should do a road trip where we just drive the length of the podcast from that year. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Chris, where are we going this year? Walking an average of three miles per hour. You could walk from Nashville to Clint's birth town of Montgomery, Alabama, or to the St. Louis Arc. Uh, which, by the way, don't walk or ride in a car or take a jet plane <laughs> to Montgomery, Alabama ever because there's nothing there except crushed hope, dashed dreams, yeah, and misery. Yeah. Well, maybe go to the Ark. It's a it's a fun little tourist spot. If you go up into it, it is terrifying. If you don't like heights, I've done it. It's it was awful for me. But uh, <laughs> but this is a man who wants to be on the moon for ten minutes, dude. You can't be afraid of that Ark if you want to go up on the moon. But that's uh, the, going to the St. Louis Ark isn't like a, a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like you can just drive there real quick. You can't just hit. You know, I'm going to swing by the moon for ten minutes. Yeah, I would be absolutely terrified to fly to the moon. But I think because of how rare of an opportunity that is, I would deal with it. That would be the the worst part. Would be like the the you know the liftoff i would probably vomit in my space mask or whatever they call it helmet um i did a, a uso tour once with a girl named laura bell bundy uso is when bands from nashville will go entertain yeah military troops and we were in uh, the middle east and africa and on one of the days we were in bahrain we had to take a cod plane and we crash landed onto an aircraft carrier in the middle of the Pacific. Ugh. And they wouldn't even tell us where we were, but we we spent like 24 hours on an aircraft carrier and we performed a show on an aircraft carrier mm-hmm. for the troops. And you're in this, what they called a cod plane. 
It's very small, no windows, very cramped. And the back of it opens, you know, because soldiers would land and like paratroopers jump out of it and stuff. And and so they had us in all this, these suits and they had these big masks on and they tether you to a partner. I was tethered to my friend, Jeff Pegas, who's a drummer. And he was like, when they were giving us the breakdown of like what this flight was going to be like, it was like a 40 minute flight from the base we were staying at. I could just tell he was like, because we didn't know we were going to do that on the trip. (laughs) Yeah. And he's already terrified of flying, even like on a commercial plane. And so he's starting to get pale. He's starting to look, and he he was a black dude. He's starting to look really pallid. Yeah. And he he was looking sick before we even got on this thing, dude. (laughs) He was being cool and trying to get him water and checking in on him. And he's just closing. He's just, I can just, he's just doing everything he can to get through it. Well, and we're wearing these big, like, almost like um, oxygen mask things. Yeah. Well, he puked in it. Oh, no. On the plane. And we're tethered to each other. Like, there's nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm feeling bad for him. But I'm also feeling really bad for me because I'm next to Pukey Guy. You're tethered to Pukey Guy. And, he, he, you know, he could get the mask off and cut a cleared way and someone threw a towel at him. And then he puked again. Wow. I've never seen someone so grateful to get off a damn plane. Yeah, well, then, And then the flight's not even the worst part. The worst part is you, they call it a controlled crash. You crash onto the air. You, you go from whatever speed the plane's going to zero in like one minute. Yeah, isn't that like uh, like on aircraft carriers? They have those like big wires that basically like grab the plane as it lands. It's exactly what it is. God, they that's have these terrifying. they have these cables. Yeah, I think I would be. I might be close to that dude. I don't know. If, I don't know if I'd puke, but maybe I would. But I have ways, you know, now that I, I I'm pretty chill on flights, you know. But something like that's a whole different thing. Or I've got friends that have done USO stuff in in the Middle East. They've gone on like Black Hawk helicopters. They're like, dude. I mean, it's a cool experience, but. It is terrifying. We went to one of the bases where they were like, I guess what we went to this one base where all of the different branches are on a base, which is rare. Usually there's a whole base for the Marines, a whole base for Army. Well, we went to this really rare base in Isa, which is in Africa. And it had Marines, Army, Navy, and it had the special the special teams who kill people or whatever. Yeah, they did that. They were like, hey, I guess the Marines job is they they actually fly these big planes where they fuel the other planes in air. So the planes don't have to come down. Yeah, that's so wild. And they were sending everybody up in those. And I was definitely one of the guys that declined. I was like, nah, I'm not going to do it. Did anybody else in your camp do it? Yeah, almost all of them. I, I was, I was the, uh, it, you know, I was scourged for it. I was, I was uh, the object <laughs> of much derision for not going. I'm guessing pukey guy didn't do it. And Jeff didn't do it either. I had yeah. him. Yeah. We went to the cafeteria. You were still tethered together eating lunch. <laughs> <laughs> they never untethered us. Yeah, it was really awkward playing drum. Yeah, playing you guitar. have to like. I was playing guitar on his lap. <laughs> yeah, I had to sit on his lap and play guitar. Amazing. Well, speaking of the moon, our next little stat's another moon stat. It's another moon one from Chris Yurgis. Over the podcast lifetime, so six years, we've made it to the moon and back at a 747's top speed, which is 659 miles per hour, or we could walk from Charlotte, North Carolina to Las Vegas, Nevada. So we can almost walk across the entire country. Wow. Yeah, pretty wild stuff. Uh, another little milestone this year we hit was September 12th. We hit our 300th episode, which is a big deal. It was That was us with Paul having a good time. Now on to our guests of the year. Uh, of course, the reigning champion, Mr. Paul Moke, has been on a lot of episodes this year. He was on episode 282, 283, and 297, which were Tangent Cities. Episode 308 and 314, which is Lulu Part 1 and 2. And one I actually excluded was the 300th episode. So Paul wins this year. Six episodes for Paul Moke this year. Which I would have thought he would have been on more. <clears throat> Every year we say the same thing. It's like, really? That was it? But I mean, when, when you start scrolling through the episode list, it's like, well, there's two and a half months without Paul right there, you know, and you can kind of see what we're covering. And it just makes it that... More, much more special every time Paul gets to come on the show. If it was up to us and we could command his life, he would be on every episode. But it's always a nice treat to have Paul on the show. We know everyone loves him. They have since the first episode he was ever on. 
and we're very grateful for him. Maybe 2023 is the year that I can command his life. Dude, I mean, I think if we, if we put our minds together, maybe if we tether ourselves together and our minds together, maybe we can do it. As long as no one pukes, we should be able to get it done. Yeah, I, I mean, I can do that without puking. The, uh, the next guest in line is one Mr. Tony Lacido of The Amazing Dogs. Who let the dogs out? Uh, Tony was on, of course, one episode, the tangent, same Tangent City episode, which we did in a hotel room in Des Moines, which that was, uh, that was, that was one of my highlights of the year, I'd have to say. So we didn't call that a uh, turn the page episode. We called it a Tangent City. That was Tangent City because yeah, we just, we just, we just kind of rambled and it was awesome. Yeah. Well, that's what the turn the pages are too. I mean, yeah, that is true. But this one, I think because Paul was there, it was like, well, this has got to be a Tangent City. And that was, that was a good time. Tony, as, as you guys who, who have listened to that episode have learned Tony is a very, very entertaining character with a wealth of stories in his mind that to, to tell you, which we'll get to one later. That it's, it's one of the, uh, our listeners' favorite moments. It has to do with Tony. Uh, Brad Blazik was on three episodes this year. Blazy. Two with Clint, episode 275, 276, which was the Newstead interview and the Garage Days Originals. Also on episode 302 with me for first Metallica shows. Uh, Mr. Tom Kui of Alpha Metallica. Hello. Hi. Me. Hello. Off the Zane. Him and Clint did an episode on Bastardane, which is episode 277. Our good buddy Angelo Gonzalez and Michael Grovener both co-hosted a little surprise co-host thing we did when we were over in Europe with Morgan Wade Camp. Uh, we pre-recorded episodes and we had them take over an entire episode, which is the first time we've done that. That was episode 288 and they did their top 10 deep cuts. Michael was also on an episode with me uh, talking about Metallica in Vegas. It was episode 273. Another favorite of the show... Newcomer to the show this year, Mr. Johnny Sword, our bass Johnny. player. Johnny's awesome. He was on two episodes this year, and episode 295 turned the page, and we also did a Q&A with him the next week, 296, which was real, really, that was the one we did in the front lounge. We had to turn the uh, air conditioning off for a while. Yeah, that was in Minneapolis. Congrats to Johnny Sword, who just got married, by the way. That's right. He got married. We had a good time at his wedding. We might have destroyed the dance floor during a, a good karaoke sesh. Yeah, sorry. I'm not apologizing for that, man. You're welcome. Uh, our good friend Kurt Ozon was on episode 299 of Turn the Page. Derek Benitez, drum tech for uh, Chris Stapleton on Turn the Page, episode 303. Our infamous bus driver Ringo, episode 304, Turn the Page, which it's looking like we're going to see old Ringo in the spring again. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure he's he's driving us again. That's the last I heard. It, it could have changed by now. Oh, okay. But <clears throat> we'll see. Uh, Lee Pardini, the keyboard player for Chris Stapleton, also in the band Dawes, episode 305, Turn the Page. And... Our last guest of the year, one of our favorites, Mr. Avi Vinegar, episode 315, to cap out 2022 with us. Avi Vinegar of band Metallica. Of the band Metallica. You might have you might have seen him on stage with uh, this little known band that's on the uprise. We finally had a member of Metallica on the show. <sighs> it's about time. Well, Lars, you're next, man. Uh, we had a bunch of Metal Tales guests this year. Metal Tales, let me go back up. There was 10 of them, I believe. Uh, yeah, 10 Metal Tales this year. So we got we got Michael Grovener who did Vegas, which I mentioned before. Dave Farrar and Christian Post both did Boston Calling with you. So there's the eleven. Edgar Baradas, I talked to him about his entire South America trip, where he went to every show on that tour. Uh, Hella Marie from Norway went to. Uh, there, sorry, excuse me. Uh, she did the Hellfest episode. Linda Thomas did Prague. Carl Walsh did Lisbon and Madrid. Martinez Calvelis, excuse me, uh, did Florence. Amanda Hefner did Lollapalooza. Jamila did Hollywood, Florida. And Cosmo Moore capped off the Metal Tales for the year with All Within My Hands 2022. Those are getting filled up for the M72 tour. Right. The way to be on a Metal Tales is to join us on Patreon. You probably heard that in the commercial, but that is the way to do it. Mm-hmm. That's right. And they are filling up. So if you've got tickets to some of those shows, and the thing is, I know that there are a lot of weekend shows, but we're doing separate Metal Tales for each night. That's right. Yeah. So a lot of people have been writing like, hey, I want to do uh, Arlington. It's like, well, which night? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're allowing one night per per guest. So if you just write in, if you're a patron, just say which nights or which which whatever shows you're going to, and we'll see if we can make it work. But they are filling up fast, so do consider joining the Patreon now so that you can uh, secure your slot. That's right. I already had to uh, message someone back and decline them the opportunity to do uh, one of the Fort Worth ones. Mm. So my apologies. So you got you got to jump on it. Uh, all right. Uh, just to get get to the end of uh, kind of our end of the year stats. I know this is a slightly shorter part but um we have some listeners that wrote in and uh hit them up on discord and stuff and get their favorite moments favorite episodes things like that so here's a few of them jay middleton he says the gd church giggles that started an email beginning with good day sir with you guys and paul (laughs) that one i remember specifically because we we were laughing we were church giggling and then maybe two minutes would go by, and Paul would start saying something. Then one of the two of us would just immediately just, good day, sir. Mm-hmm. That, was a good, uh, that was a good moment for sure. Dr. Bass Neil over on Discord, his favorite guest was Ringo. Yay, Ringo. Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love. <laughs> there it is. Uh, Samuel M. says, favorite moment, Tony Lacito's story about pretending to be deaf to Nick Carter. <laughs> yeah, amazing. That was an incredible Lacito story. Uh, Jamila uh, gives us her top five episodes of the year. Number five, 307, Things Metallica Got Right. Number four, episode 305, Lee Pardini. Episode, oh, sorry, number three, episodes 308 and 314 of the Lulu episodes, of course. Which I'm surprised because she's such a huge Lulu fan and it's basically us talking about how horrible it is the whole time. <laughs> I know. Well, I think she appreciates our honesty. Yeah, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate that she appreciates the objectivity. So much appreciation today. Number two, the Luxa Turner deep dive. And number one, her favorite two episodes, which are kind of one split up, was the Hot Summer Nights episodes. Oh, yeah, that was nice. I mean, you can't go wrong with those. I can feel it. I can feel it. <laughs> I mean, it never gets old. Thank you. Hot Summer Nights. <laughs> oh, it felt so right now, girl. <laughs> Van's favorite episodes were, which we'll see Van at the party. Thank you for coming because you live here. Uh, Fixer Deep Dive, which was Clint on guitar. Hot Summer Nights, and the album announcement. Uh, his favorite guests were Linda Thomas and Johnny Sword. Well, Linda made it in the Vans top episodes. Hell yeah. Well, Linda's a sweetie pie, and she's in the, the sweetie pie category. And uh, yeah, we love her. And uh, let's see. Mike Fell says, Johnny Sword is guest of the year. I agree. I mean, listen, we ever since we've met Johnny Sword and ever since we talked about him coming on the podcast, it couldn't happen soon enough. And it finally did. And he was a hit. People loved him. We need more Johnny Sword on the podcast, in my opinion. I mean, well, listen, we're about to spend six to seven weeks on the road together this spring, so it's going to happen. For everyone, that, anyone that's wondering if Johnny's ever going to come back, he will be back. Don't worry. Uh, Lou D'Elia says, Hot Summer Nights was a great two episodes, but I love the Paul episode where he talks about being trapped in a mall and you guys went off on him about Hot Topic, uh, which, by the way, that was actually in, uh, that, w- that was this year. There was another Hot Topic reference people were trying to figure out, which was last year. Uh, also, Edgar's recap of South America, and he'll put him down as his favorite guest. Yeah, I love uh, the episodes of Edgar. Edgar's such a cool dude. Edgar's great, and uh, and that was that was a that was a deep dive of, of a metal tales because I mean he went to every every single show in South America, walked us through his entire journey getting there, all the mishaps he had, things like that. But uh, yeah, Edgar's always great too. Man, I'm we pretty love... sure he's going to be at the party. Hell yeah, let's do it. So we'll see him. <laughs> Uh, Angelo Gonzalez says, episode 288, no big deal, which is the one he co-hosted with Michael. He says, for real, though, Hot Summer Nights, Tangent Cities with Paul, uh, Paul's Adventures in Australia. Uh, he said the Hot Topic stuff was amazing. The Deep Cut Dives, and I, I, I really did enjoy the Turn the Page episodes. Well, they're coming back, man. I walked down to the mall. Did you get a so, Blink-182 shirt at Hot Topic? So, for your birthday? I was like, Sick. did you get a Mudvayne shirt? Yeah. 
Wait, so here's the deal. Is a studded collar? <laughs> I, I go, they had a movie Pants theater. Pants with big buckles. Black and eyeliner? <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a Velcro wallet? <laughs> Dude. Did you get a Marilyn Manson poster? First of all. <laughs> Did you get some Doc Martens? Did you get some Jinkos? I'm just laughing. <laughs> Jinkos. I'm, just, uh, I'm mainly laughing because I'm picturing Paul <laughs> wearing all this shit. Uh, oh, Did you okay. get a Massimo sandwich with a knife? <laughs> Did you get a skate deck with a fucking skull on it? Did you get like a typo negative beanie? <laughs> <laughs> Mark Allen says, easily hot summer nights were my favorite episodes, and Avi was my favorite guest. Very cool. A lot of hot summer nights love, man, for for a very non-Metallica-related episode. (laughs) Joe Lundblade, which he could be a distant relative of Johnny Sword, he says, favorite episode, Tangent Cities. Tangent Cities. Hard to pick which one, but you guys always have such great chemistry with Paul. Paul? Paul. Favorite guest, again, Johnny Sword. Dude is hilarious and love his delivery. Plus, it's an amazing name. Well, yeah, he's partial. Old Lundblade. Blade and Sword. Blade Back and Back together sword. again. That sounds like a Chuck Norris movie from the 80s. Oh, it's, and this time it's personal. It's like a spinoff of Delta Force 3 or something. <laughs> Double-crossed by the government. <laughs> again. <laughs> Muhammad writes in and says, favorite guest, Johnny Sword. Oh, you know what? I didn't put Muhammad's email. I want to read Muhammad's email. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I was actually going to save it, but yeah, let's let's read it because there was other stuff that pertained to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So we got a, an email from Muhammad who's from Iran, and I thought this was an interesting story. You know, it's not easy to listen to Metallica in Iran. I think doesn't he? I think he lives. Might he live here now? He lives here now, but he talks about... So I'm just going to read his email. Um, he says, hello, Ethan and Clint. Finally sending you an email. I've been listening to your podcast for more than two years And every Monday, I'm waiting for your Instagram post that a new episode's released. I came to the U.S. in 2019 to continue my education. Born and raised in Iran, which he says is a Muslim country, which everyone should know that, in which listening to metal music is almost a big sin. The first album of Metallica that I listened to was S&M. Everything changed for me. Fell in love with their music and especially James's personality and lyrics. Because of the situation in our country, no bands were allowed to have concerts. So going to a Metallica concert was a dream for me. Fortunately, after I came to the U.S., the boys had already finished their tour. Then COVID hit. But finally, after two years, they announced they'd play the Boston Calling Show in 2022. I bought tickets right away. For the concert day, I stood up for about eight hours to be close to the stage. I was in the second row from the rail. The whole concert was like a dream. And I cried when Fade to Black and Nothing Else Matters were played. I'm not, if, uh, he says, I'm not being paranoid. Oh, he says, James looked me in the eyes when I was singing Exit Light in her night. I shared a couple of uh, um, eye locks with James, too. And yeah. was he looking at the guy behind me? Maybe. Do I believe that he was? Am I choosing to believe that he was looking at me and forming some sort of cosmic, eternal connection with me and that we will probably be friends in the afterlife forever because of that lo- eye lock? Yes. That's more likely, yeah. He says, I've already bought my ticket for the M72 tour, and I'm so excited about it. He does say his favorite moment of the podcast in 2022, which was the year before, was my reaction to the Fixer debut, which I got to say, that might have been one of the most, erroneously, but that was one of the most uh, said things about favorite moments of the podcast. Yeah, there was a lot of that. I think because it was so close to the end of last year, because it was December of 2021, that people kind of lumped it in with 2022. And fuck it, we'll give it to him, because that was one of the most pure reactions ever on this podcast for anything. I mean... 
I can still hear you just going, wait, this is, this is fixer. This is fixer. Like just that, that excitement was something that hasn't really happened on the show. I mean, it really is one of the like most fun moments I have of my entire Metallica fandom is being a champion of that album, that song, talking about it for years. I feel like the podcast is part of why it got played, honestly. Mm -hmm. And then to, to not have any spoilers, to not have some insiders ruin it, to like really just be burning it down, to be with two of my best buddies, to be sharing it on the podcast with all of our listeners and fans. Yeah. Such a cool moment. It really was. And you even recognized it before the first little that was wild. I mean, when I was 13, that record was my best friend. Mm-hmm, for sure. So I've listened to it. <laughs> my sister was telling a story about when they were house hunting. They have this new house that we went and stayed at. My siblings are like farmers now. They live on a farm now, which is interesting. They have like yeah. pigs and chickens and cows. It was very, cool. very interesting holiday season seeing their new life. And uh, anyway, she was talking about she went to go look at a house and we're selling our house too. And when people come to look at your house, you have to leave, yeah. you know, you have to like set up an appointment and you can't be here. It's too weird to look at someone's house while they're there. And she was telling a very Alabama story about how she went to this house, her and her husband. And this, a bunch of people were there. There was like five people in the living room, just sitting on a couch quietly. <laughs> and as they went upstairs, she said there was a very large man laying on the bed, sleeping with his head right next to a boombox. Whoa. And it made me think of me when I was a kid. Because I used oh, to go yeah. to I used to go to sleep. I don't know why I didn't just put headphones. I guess because the only headphones I had when I was a kid were like the big one, big cans. Yeah, for sure. I didn't have like cute little, you know, Bluetooth, you know, little guys you could sleep in. But uh I would go to sleep listening to a boombox like right yeah. up against my face. Yep, me too. Yeah, because you didn't want to turn it up too loud to disrupt anybody in your family. So exactly. you turn it down real quiet and get as close as possible. Exactly. There were times where my dad would wake me up for school in the morning and I would still be asleep on the floor where my boombox was. Yeah. And I, I remember even having the boombox where I couldn't even plug it in. It just ran on like eight D <laughs> batteries. Right. And you would just slowly hear it. You would hear a tape get slower and slower. Mm-hmm. Yep. Whereas a CD will just give you full 100% speed until it shuts off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a tape player will just slowly <laughs> want And you would listen and be like, am I going crazy or is the are the batteries dying in this tape player? Yeah, exactly. So anyway, uh, he ends his email by saying, keep up the good work. I'm learning a lot about the music culture in the U.S. from you and the community that you created. Muhammad from New Bedford, uh, Massachusetts. Happy New Year. Uh, and then he tells us, he writes what Happy New Year is in Farsi, which is cool. That's awesome. So, all right. Uh, thank you, Muhammad. I'm really glad that you're on the ride with us. Thanks for writing in. I think that was on me. I think I accidentally skipped that. Oh, by the way, let me read this too. Dave Ferrara just wrote in. This is short. He says, let me tell you something, brothers, which is the Hulk. Do we have a Hulkster? Uh, there's something in there. Well, let me tell you something, brother. He's talking about the Grimies episode. He said, I realize it's been forever since I actually properly emailed the show. Driving around Massachusetts, New Jersey on my route today, listening to some episodes hadn't checked out yet. Right now, it's the Grimies episode. I have but one question. He says, Clint, your grocery store manager's name was Chuck Pepper. Please tell me his dad was a doctor. I'll see myself out. Dave Ferraro, Boston, New Jersey. Um, <laughs> I don't know what Chuck Pepper's dad's name was, but if his dad was indeed the famous doctor of Dr. Pepper, I doubt he would have been managing a food world in Birmingham, Alabama. I mean, unless he, unless he just is a very humble person, doesn't want anyone to know that his wealth. Yeah, that's possible. That's possible. It's possible. Unlikely, but possible. Well, thank you to you and Yurgis for, for giving us all these great stats about another great year of the podcast. Oh, yeah, man. There's one last one I want to read real quick from Jose Gomez. I did add. It came in late last night. He says, my favorite Metal Podcast moment has got to be when you dropped an emergency episode on Lux Eterna. The minute the boys dropped the track, I, and probably many others, immediately thought, I wonder if Ethan and Clint will give us an extra episode. Next thing you know, bam, there it is. 
It just shows the dedication and love you two have for not only the band, but the entire Metal Pier podcast, Familia. Another great moment is the whole community, sorry, the whole commentary on Lulu. That episode had strong Mystery Science Theater 3000 vibes, and I'm here for it, is what he says. Yeah, it's amazing how starved we were to just talk about anything other than the music that was happening. I know, right? <laughs> well, because minute seven, you already know what it is, and there's three or four more minutes left. And Yeah, exactly. Or it's going to get Mystery Science 3000 for sure. Yeah, absolutely it is. Um, well, another fun way we thought it'd be cool to uh, kind of cap off the year and start the new year is by Clint and I putting together a simple top ten list of our favorite records we acquired this year. Release date doesn't matter. These, this doesn't have to be released in 2022, just... And I'm look. I'm thinking specifically what rec- actual record vinyl records I bought this year. And so I went through my discogs, saw everything I inputted this year, and I narrowed it down to my top ten. Well, let's hear them. All right. Do we want to go back and forth, or what do you think, or or, or just burn them down? Well, I actually did a top ten of records that came out this year because I realized there were enough for me to make this list. Okay, okay. There actually weren't enough for me. So uh, listen, I'll I'll read mine, then we'll get to yours. All right. Number ten, a uh, band called the Interrupters. Great kind of punk ska band produced by tim armstrong of rancid from uh, la uh, they, they put on a new record this year called in in the wild which is great number nine and i bought this from our friend jim wait so that is a record from this year that one is that one's 2022 yes i have okay. a cu- i have a couple that came out this year but not all of them okay uh number nine is a record i got from our good buddy uh jamal over in new york chris isaac's heart-shaped world an original pressing from 1989 wow uh number eight the band Supergrass great uk band uh, their self-titled record which is easily one of my favorites came out in 99 this was a 2022 reissue uh mazzy star so tonight that i might see have you ever get into, into mazzy star i think everyone of a certain age got into mazzy star okay just making sure just making sure well you're in you're you've gotten into low and they're they're kind of in that shoegazy ambient kind of world too but um everyone knows fade into you great song probably their, their most well-known song I, w- I would imagine but that whole record's really fun to listen to um this is a 2017 reissue uh, that came out in 1993 originally uh this one number six offspring smash this is a record that i've loved since it came out i remember being in like a youth group we did like a whatever the white elephant gift thing they're not white elephant what's it called with the gift exchange where you can like grab somebody else's bad santa or something called dirty santa dirty santa we probably didn't call that at, call it that at church but um, I, I acquired that CD at one of those little gift exchange things. And I finally, uh, bought this record this year on vinyl, which is a fantastic kind of pop punk record. It's a 2009 reissue came out in 94 originally. Number five, my favorite bad religion record, the process of belief. This is a 2022 reissue. Finally reissued it this year. I was real excited. Originally came out in Oh two. Number four, Stuntable Pilots Purple, I acquired this year, which was uh, reissued last year in 2021. Originally came out in 94. Speaking of 1994, uh, Allison Chains Dirt, they released the 2022 version this year. Uh, tried to get a, a different variant, but that was sold out pretty quick, but I got the black one. Either way, I'm stoked. It's my favorite Allison Chains record. Number two, Tom Petty, Full Moon Fever, 89 release. This is the 2021 reissue from last year. And my number one record that I acquired this year also came out in 2022. Probably my most listened to record of the year, which is the Red Hot Chili Peppers Unlimited Love. I was wondering if that was going to be on your list. Yeah, that's that's number one for me, man. That that I wore that record out this year. But uh, yeah, so there's my there's my list for you. All right. Well, I have a bunch of things I have to say about my shit. So okay. I'll just I'll, I'll quickly just tell you a few records that I because I, I started making my list of like, all right, well, records that didn't come out in 2022, because um, this was a big year of the band Low for me. Yes. Now, I got into Low because Maynard James Keenan did an interview with Rick Beato where he briefly and I'm talking about very briefly. He says one sentence about them, 
where he talks about how Lowe really influenced his vocal style, like his mm-hmm. spacing and phrasing and his the delivery of his vocals. And I've always been the kind of music lover who, when guys that I love and respect, when they mention people that they love and respect, something in my brain goes, ding, 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 you need to check that yeah, out. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't always work out. I often prefer the whoever is giving the interview. Right. I prefer Pearl Jam over The Who. I prefer Bob Dylan over Woody Guthrie, etc. I prefer yeah. Bruce Springsteen over Pete Seeger. Yeah. But I always do like to go check these people out. Now, in this case, this I, I didn't know what Lowe was like at all. I didn't know what it was shoegazy. I didn't know if it was metal. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. I downloaded two records. I, I got the one that Maynard would have been listening to in Tool's kind of early era heyday. Mm-hmm. And that's a record called Long Division from 1995. The very first song on that's called Violence. And if you know this song, you know what I'm talking about. It's very sparse. There's a man and a woman singing. I didn't know who they were. And there's a bass player. Guitar, yeah. drums, bass, female harmonies. And the lyrics are crazy in a good way. Like, they're very, very strange. And I love strange lyrics. Sure. Big uh, big Chili Peppers lyrics guy. Yeah. I like lyrics. And all of my lyrics mostly are like strange snapshots of dreams. I've, I write very few songs that are like, Johnny used to work at the dock. The union went on strike. He's down <laughs> right. on his luck. It's tough, right? So tough. I'm not saying I don't have I don't usually weave together like a full three minute story. Yeah, I'm burning that record down. And it's similar. It has a similar quality to what I've said about Lana Del Rey's Ultraviolence, which came out in 2012. It's like audio heroin. It is a great nighttime record. Yeah, for sure. Like I've been listening to Low to go to sleep for months since I discovered them. So I got that record, and then I just randomly got a record called Trust from 2002, which I think that's the one I played for you in the green room. Yeah, yeah, I've been listening to that one. That's a great record. And you can just, it's the, you know, you can hear that they've, they're seven years progressed. It's better production. The songs are better. Melodies are more lush. So those are the two records. And then since then, I've gotten into lots of their records, but the ones I wanted to recommend after those two, so Trust is 2002, Long Division 95. I, and, and by the way, I'm highly recommending every record I'm saying. Yeah. The next one to check out is The Great Destroyer from 2005, which is probably my favorite low record. Uh, Nels Klein from Wilco plays guitar on it. And then there's another one uh, called Come On from 2011 that has probably my favorite low song called Witches. Mm-hmm. That's a great, yeah. I've, I've been checking out that record as well. So those are that's my low thing. And what's crazy about low is once once this started to happen to me, and I'm 39, this happens to me rare, more rarely than it used to, where I'm like surprised by something. Yeah. Just because I'm getting older, I've had a lot of time to listen to a lot of music. There aren't that many surprises left for me, especially by bands that have been around, mm-hmm. right? It's not like, I mean, you could just name any band, and I've probably checked it out. Yeah. Your, your tastes and like the bands you like or not tend to get fairly cemented by the time you're 40. Yeah, but that's what makes it all the more special when, you, when one of those surprises don't, does come through the cracks. Yeah. I mean, over the last 10 years, I got really into Paul Simon, Randy Newman, Jeff Lynn, ELO. There's like bands that have really surprised me where I'm talking full-blown, full-catalog you know, enmeshment. Yeah, for sure. Not like, oh, that there's a record I like. I like that, you know. Oh, I didn't know that, uh, you know, I got into Frank Zappa, a couple of Frank Zappa records. Yeah. But I'm not in any danger of being a Zappa freak because it's too much <laughs> right. and it's, a lot of it's not my cup of tea. Yeah, for sure. But that his first record with the mother is called Freak Out. Front to back, awesome. Joe's yeah, yeah. Garage, awesome. But someone like Paul Simon, I did this with Paul Simon, Randy Newman, Jeff Lynn from ELO. I'm doing it with Lowe now. I did it with Dylan. I'm talking full catalog, you know, immersion. Mm-hmm. Another record that I listened to pretty much the entire time we were in Europe is a record from 2017 by Guster called Look Alive. Yeah, you've been in a Guster train for sure. I've loved Guster since I was a kid. Their first three, four records are required listening. I haven't checked them out since like 2012. Just lost interest, just yeah. fell off. And for some reason, right before that tour, I was like, I wonder what they've been up to. 
and I just listened to their new record on a plane yeah, because I was bored of all the music I'd been listening to. And it really, really blew my mind, like really blew my mind. It's called Look Alive. It's extremely dark. It's their best songs. I'm going to mention this a little later when I get to my top 10, but Guster is one of the few bands that sounds like the Beatles. That's like the song craft and the experimentation in the studio and the sounds they're getting mm-hmm. sounds like Revolver era Beatles. So if you like that, you need to check out Guster. Yeah. Lou Reed's Berlin from 1973, which after the first Lulu episode, I did a little bit of a deep dive into Lou's more popular records. And I listen to Berlin like every day. Berlin's very cool, man. I mean, yeah, you told me to get into that. And what's other Transistor? Transformer. Transformer, that's right. That's the one before. Yeah. There's some really cool shit that he put out. I mean, we, I, I think we were, I don't know if Paul's dipped into any of that stuff yet, but I mean, I think we were all pretty surprised that it's like, wait, he does have cool shit. It's real. I mean, Transformer in Berlin are as good as anything from the 70s, yeah. in my opinion. Right. I still need to check out all his 80s stuff because apparently a lot of his 80s stuff is good, too. Um, all right. And then the last record I'm going to mention is there's a record that Dean DeLeo and Tom Bukovac did. Two great guitar players. Dean DeLeo from Stumble Pilots. Tom Bukovac, who plays in The Amazing Dogs with Tony and Paul. That's right. They did a, an instrumental record together. There's one song on it that has some singing, but it's mostly an instrumental guitar record. But it's absolutely gorgeous. It's beautiful. The songs are deep. A lot of different styles. It's not like a a masturbatory Joe Satriani thing, although I like Joe Satriani records. Yeah, yeah. It's a really cool record. It's lush and beautiful, extremely melodic, very lyrical, even though there are no words. It's just the passages are, it, it feels like you're listening to songs with lyrics. It does, yeah. And that came out in 2021. So those, those are my old records, all right? Here's my 2022 list, and I okay. highly recommend all of these, and I think I'm going to do a radio episode um, featuring songs from these records. Yeah, that'd be fun. Honorable mentions, Ryan Adams put out three records this year. One of them made my list, but here are the, the two that are worth checking out that didn't make my list. One's called FM. If you like 80s, sad, achy, guitar rock, there's a record called FM, and then a, and a really acoustic, really pretty record called Romeo and Juliet. Check those out. Pedro the Lion put out a record called Havasu. Yeah. When I was in Seattle... We were in Seattle. He, I saw that he was playing a hometown show for him. Yeah. Uh, no one would go with me to the show, so I went by myself. It kind of wore me out because the opener was so horrible. The opener really, really wore me out. That's right. I forgot. You, you told me about that opener where the lyrics were just very <laughs> not good. And like, there's a, there's a code on the chair. I went to a coffee shop. I took my own mug. He said, you should <laughs> use a mug from the shop. I don't know where my raincoat is. I was losing my fucking mind. <laughs> wow. So anyway, Dave Bazan came out, and it was a really fascinating show. He played bass the whole time. Yeah. He, he stood in the middle, and there was a guitar player sitting down and a drummer sitting down, and they played this Havasu record. Yeah, it's a really good record. I Yeah, I was hip to it a little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind of a lifelong Pedro Dave Bazan guy. Of course. But I'm kind of aging out of his, his thing. Mm-hmm. And now that I've gotten into low, I'm like, oh, that's where all his thing comes from. Yeah. He basically was just writing low songs yeah that makes a lot of sense there's another artist i was thinking about too that obviously oh radiohead obviously listened to low like you just hear here like doing all the thread tracing you know with low i'm like oh all these bands were low fans yeah that's a that's a common tale too but it's like the band low there's plenty of those bands out there that never really got any the kind of success that tool did or, or radiohead did things like that they've always been pretty underground but there's so many big bands that love bands like that. Yeah, I mean, if you go, tra- first of all, you can't find that much on the internet about them. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say this about Low. I'm having this experience with this music that I haven't had in a long time. And I told myself, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to do what I normally do, which is just read everything about them that exists. 
Mm -hmm. watch every video on YouTube, read every interview. If someone wrote a book about them, I'm going to read it. That's usually what I do. Yeah. But I was like, I'm not going to learn anything about this band. And I was just really enjoying not knowing anything about Lowe. And then somehow I saw like a tweet from Alan, the lead singer, that said something ominous, like, hey, sorry, we're going to have to cancel the blah, blah, blah shows. Uh, Mimi took a turn for the worst. Yeah. And I'm no dummy. So I subconsciously was like, Mimi's probably the drummer or probably the chick singer in the band. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like she has cancer or is going to die or something. But I just shut it out of my mind. I didn't investigate further. And then sure enough, we were flying home from somewhere. It was on a Sunday. Yeah. I think I texted you all when the plane landed because I got the news yeah. that Mimi Parker, the drummer for Lowe, who's the main guy's wife. Yeah. And she's one of the two principal songwriters died yeah, of cancer. Ovarian cancer. Yeah. Young. Yeah, totally, man. That's yeah, it's very, very sad. And not to make it about me, because obviously her dying and Alan dealing with her death and people who were smarter than me and fans of this band for longer, the tragedy is just immeasurable. Yeah. But it did feel really sharp to me because it was like this woman's voice has been in my ears for like three months straight. Mm -hmm. And now like she's dead. She's not. It's gone. It's over. Yeah, totally. You know, like I'll never see them live. It's just it was a very strange feeling. I mean, th thankfully, there's just almost what thirty years of low records to dive into and 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 check out. You know, all the great stuff that she left us with. Um. So okay. So anyway, the other two honorable mentions. Number one, Tears for Fears put out a record this year that's really good. Yeah. If you guys like the song "Shout" or "Head Over Heels" or "Everybody Wants to Rule the World," "Seeds of Love," "Woman in Chains," mm -hmm, "Mad World," it's, the, it's that band from the '80s. But they put out a record this year that's actually pretty damn good. It sounds really good, dude. I saw a couple, when they were doing promo. I saw a few performances on YouTube of them doing a couple classics and a couple new songs, and I was like, "Holy shit, they sound amazing!" Yeah, they sound really good. And the chick who um, Karina Round, who is in the band Pucifer, which is one of Maynard's three projects. She sings with them. She like tours with them. Yeah. And I think she's on the record. Anyway, it's called The Tipping Point, and it's really good. My last honorable mention is, of course, the Chili Peppers album, Unlimited Love. Yeah. Which was really good. And I thought for sure it would make my top 10, but it didn't. Okay. And shout out to Michael Grovener, who hooked me up with the uh, Lakers variant. I got the Record Store yeah. Day variant, the black and white one, but he hooked me up with the uh, Lakers Colors variant. Yeah, I've got that one as well. It's awesome. All right, top 10 records of 2022. I know everyone's real excited. Hell yeah, dude. Let's hear it. Uh, number 10 is the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's Cool It Down. Oh, okay, I haven't, I haven't heard that. First record in like 10 years. Really good. Yeah. Really worth checking out. Number 10. Number 9, Johnny Marr put out a solo record called Fever Dreams. Was this, uh, wait, he didn't, was it the e, was EP or full length? He put out an EP last year. That's he right. He put out a couple of EPs basically as promotional ma materials for this record. Right. Because I think you and I listened to some of that EP on a drive last we did. year. Yeah. yeah. It's, he called that Fever Dreams Part 1. And, the, and then there was, I think I did, he did a part two, which would be yeah. three to five songs. This year, he released the full-length record, which is like 13 songs called Fever Dreams. Cool. Really good. Johnny Marr was the guitar player for the Smiths. He helped write all those great songs. Musically, he was the brainchild of the Smiths. Kind of kind of the, the Noel Gallagher of the Smiths, in a way. I would, I would say, yeah. I would say way more. I, w I mean, yeah, he was the guitar player who wrote the music. In yeah, that yeah sure. He's like Noel, but he's yeah. on a different planet than Noel Gallagher. For a sure. lot of Oasis songs are, are kind of dumb. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm a huge Oasis fan, but they're they're like the same four chords over and over. Right. And the magic of that band really is are the, the lyrics and the hooks and how broad they can be. Johnny Marr, learning Smith songs is like a chord dictionary. Yeah, it's pretty wild stuff. It's filled with like jazz and... It's it's very very deep shit. Mm -hmm. It's not G D C E minor over and over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
number eight, The Smile, which is Tom York's new band with Johnny Greenwood and the dude who produces their records. Very cool, ambient. If you like Radiohead, you'll like The Smile. The record's called A Light for Attraction. Very good. Number seven, Taylor Swift, Midnight's. Dude, good, good call, man. That's a really cool record. She's back again with Jack Antonoff. This one's a lot more poppy. She described the record as, you know, 12 songs that kind of the midnight of the soul, mm-hmm. kind of dark, dark ruminations. After Folklore, I'm a fan for life of hers. Yeah, man. Forever. She's a badass, dude. I love a lot of her music. The Reputation record's great, too. Number six, court, that's actually my least favorite one. Really? Yeah. Aside from the hits that have been, you know, massive songs uh, throughout her career, you know, tr- Trouble and stuff like that. I really only started dipping into Taylor Swift like in the last two years because of the yeah. folk, folk, folklore record. Yeah. And it's really yeah, good You need stuff. to check out Lover. I would check out Lover. If you liked folklore, obviously Evermore. Yeah. This new one's really good. And then, Red, you know, her big one, Red. Red was huge, yeah. Fucking fantastic. All right. Uh, number six, Courtney Marie Andrews, Loose Future. This is a girl that I was a huge, I was a huge fan of her first record, uh, which is called No One Slaves yeah. Clean. I became a fan of her. She really wasn't doing much. And around 2014... I had just gotten, I think I had just gotten my publishing deal and I reached out to her on Instagram. I DM'd her on Instagram and said, Hey, uh, I know this sounds weird, but I'm a writer in Nashville. If you're ever in town, I would love to write a song with you. Yeah. And she hit me back and was like, yeah, I'm going to be there in like two months. Here's my number. Let's write a song. We wrote a song together and then she blew up. Yeah. And we've kind of stayed friends, but not, I would, I would like to be better friends with her. Yeah, for sure. But she put out a new record called Loose Future. That's, she just keeps getting better and better. Very cool. um, the song that we wrote is not on any of her records. Damn it. She's a fantastic live, too. She opened a few shows for Brandy Carlisle when I was working for her. And uh, I think I probably texted you because I knew you kind of knew her a bit and stuff. But great, great live artist. All right. Number five. This is a strange album to be on a top 10 and especially to be so high. This is the first time a sound, a, a comedy album has ever been in my top 10. But Bo Burnham's Inside Out takes. Oh, cool! If any, did you see Bo Burnham Inside yet? I have. I still haven't watched it. I need to. I know. I, I don't know what else to tell you, dude. That came out in twenty twenty, right? The the you really the special? have to watch it. Yeah, yeah, because it's 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 like his pandemic special. Right? It's him by himself in his house or something. It's it's not just his pandemic special. It's the pandemic special. Okay, great. It is the greatest comment on the pandemic that I've ever seen. Okay, great. I will watch it. I will watch it, and with, with by the next time another episode comes out, I'll have watched it. I mean, I feel like I'm practically begging you to watch it, <laughs> which <laughs> you feels know dumb. I'm going to pause the episode right now. I'm going to watch it real quick. What Bo Burnham does, if and I, I honestly have seen some of his specials before this and did not like them. But what he does, he does a very interactive and a musical comedy thing yeah. where he writes songs. I'm not a big fan of parody songs. I never really got the Adam Sandler thing. I don't. I don't really go for that. Yeah. Anytime Jimmy or uh, um, Jimmy Fallon plays guitar and sings like Neil Young, the whole world melts. I've never thought that was very funny. Right. This stuff is really. The songs are so good. It's so smart. It's of course, honestly, to me, the biggest sin is to not be funny. Yeah. If yeah. You're going to be a comedian. I don't care how smart your commentary is or how thoughtful you are. You better be funny first. Yeah, for sure. That's your job. This shit is hilarious. Awesome. And the songs are great. I've listened to this soundtrack. I mean, it's number five on my list. Yeah, hell yeah. This beat out Taylor Swift, who I love. The Smile, which is Tom York, which everyone knows I'm a Radiohead freak. This this record beat all those out. My friend Courtney Marie Andrews. Awesome. This record is better than those, in my opinion. Hell yeah. So you can check that out. Um, Bo Burnham, also an amazing director. He directed the movie Eighth Grade. Did you see that movie? I don't think I've even heard of that movie. Eighth Grade? I, I'm not going to go into explaining it, but it's really good. He was also an actor in the movie Promising Young Woman, this killer horror movie okay. last year. Really cool, smart guy. He's young. He's younger than me. He's handsomer than me. He's more talented than me. He's more rich than me. Ergo, I hate him and love him. <laughs> cool. Number four, my boy, Post Malone. 12 Carat Toothache. Oh, there you go. Nice. 
dropped a record out of the blue, no fanfare. He's touring it right now, selling out arenas everywhere in the world. Yeah. But you know my love for Posty. I've played you some Posty oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, his stuff's great. It's a sad album. Um, he sounds really sad. Yeah. And he put out a record two or three years ago called Hollywood's Bleeding. And he left L.A. and moved to Salt Lake City mm-hmm. and kind of hunkered down. This record is sad. It's it's. You know, he's he's a rapper kind of guy that's definitely singing about hoes and money <laughs> and drugs, yeah. which aren't three things that I am that, you know, interested in sure. as a 39-year-old dad. But he does it in a way that's so sweet, so charming, and it's melancholy. He's not really bragging. He's really just kind of describing his sad life. It's his commentary, yeah. Here's the thing about Post Malone that you don't even have to read the lyrics. Is that dude... Here are the two things to listen to about Post Malone. Number one, hooks for days. Oh, yeah. His vocal hooks never stop. He, like I'll, I'm, I'm not talent as talented as him at this. I'll write one or two like great hooks, and I'll just those are the two hooks of the song. I've got my verse and my chorus. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah. He just keeps going, and he'll do the second verse will be completely different than the first verse, which will be completely mm-hmm. different than the third verse. The second chorus will be different than the first chorus, and then he'll kind of tie it all together at the end. And they're all catchy. They're all amazing. He's just really like limitless. And his ability yeah. to sing vocal hooks. And number two, and this is a headphone thing, is the way that they mix the reverb with his vocals is so great. Like, yeah, you'll hear this long reverb hit just one word, and that one word will get thrown out like a net. And while he's still going, and it, the way it dries up and gets wet, which is a tribute to Lewis Bell, who produces all this stuff and writes all this stuff. So, yeah, um, twelve carat toothache. It's kind of melancholy. His best record is his first record called Stony. Yeah, but this one's worth getting. Number three, Ryan Adams, Devolver. He dropped this record okay. for free on his website out of the blue. It kind of made me feel bad about my rock album going supernova because this is just all a two guitar bass up the middle rock album. Yeah, cool. And it's really great hooks, a lot of punk rock attitude in it. But then I went and re-listened to my new album and it's just as good. So I, I didn't feel that bad. <laughs> You're like, I did put out a good record. Well, when I first got it, I was like, Bas- basically this is going supernova. It's just like 12 yeah. rock songs, you know? Number two. I still really struggle with number two and number one. Number two is Spoon's new album, Lucifer on the Moon. Oh, cool. I haven't heard that one yet. Or it's called Lucifer on the Sofa. I mean, that's okay, okay. Lunar Satan. <laughs> this is the band that sells that sounds the most like Revolver Era Beatles. Like, if you yeah. like Revolver Era Beatles, you have to listen to Spoon. Spoon's awesome. The guitars, the way the guitars are panned, the way they sound, the way the drums sound, it is like 1960s psychedelia with great songs, a great singer. Very cool band from Austin, Texas. I think it might be their best album. I'm not a huge Spoon nerd. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I know about five of their records, and this is the best one I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah. Number one, I don't know if many people have heard of this, but it's this chick named Ethel Kane. And she okay. actually made Barack Obama's, like, every year Barack Obama puts puts out, like, a top 20 list of songs that he likes. And it's kind of right. a list everyone looks forward to. Like him or not, voted for him or not. He's a very smart, kind of cultured cool dude right yeah for sure absolutely so she was on this list and that's kind of how i got hip to it is the record's called preacher's daughter so she's like a recovering baptist from nebraska okay i've never heard of her she sound well this record is gorgeous it's like audio heroin it's beautifully written she sounds like dolores from the cranberries cool and it's kind of a low a low register voice like lana del rey and her songs sound like taylor swift they've got the quirkiness of taylor and the detail that Taylor writes in, but the record is like dripping in reverb, dripping in like dark soundscapes and landscapes. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And it's this sort of interesting, tortured rumination on growing up super religious, make coming to terms with that, young love. I think she's in her mid-20s. And then she's got a, just a killer 
unique, dynamic voice. Awesome. So those are my top 10 albums, and I'm going to do a, a radio episode about those. Yeah, I feel like we both should. That would be really fun to play some some samples of the stuff. I also wanted to mention some of the books I read that I wanted to recommend. Did you read any books this okay. year that you want to recommend? I, I didn't read any books this year, no. <laughs> okay. Do you ever read books? Uh, dude, I, here's the thing. I, this sounds like maybe an excuse or something. I, I want to read books. I, I'm more attracted to music-based books, of course. Yeah. But I find when I, I don't know what it is, when I start reading a book, like I get like a few pages in and I just immediately get tired. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. And so it takes me for fucking ever to read a book. You know, I know what I mean? I fall asleep when I read too, if I'm reading in bed. I just make time where I don't read in bed. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I need to start like reading first thing in the morning or something like right after I wake up and kind of get ready for the Because I do the same thing. If I'm reading in bed, I'll fall asleep. Yeah. Like if I'm, if I'm horizontal in bed reading, yeah, I'm yeah. sleepy. But if it's a good, like, compelling, you know, story, I mean, obviously music-based stuff I'm more attracted to. Like, I remember when I read Butch Walker's uh, book, uh, Drinking with Strangers, just kind of mm-hmm. his autobiography of his career. It was the way he wrote it. Was I was very engaged, and, and at no point did I lose interest in things like that. But um, Yeah, and that's a book you can read in, like, an afternoon. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I read that book in, like, one sitting. I yeah, loved I I, it. It was great. Yeah, I think I read it on, a, like, a couple flights while I was uh, touring somewhere. But All right, well, I'm just going to mention a few of these books. Because uh, I know that some of our listeners out there are big readers, and they should check these out. Quentin Tarantino put out a book, a, a film criticism book, called Cinema Speculation, which has been so fun. He talks about 15 films, mostly from the 70s. Mm-hmm. And I've been watching the movies as I've been reading his essays on them. Oh, cool. It's really good. Like He, he, t- he does an essay on Taxi Driver, Deliverance, The Great Escape. He talks about some like black exploitation films like Black Gun and The Mac. Yeah. And a lot of these, some of these movies I haven't heard of. He does Escape from Alcatraz, which I watched with Nova. So obviously he's one of the greatest filmmakers ever. Legendary, living legend filmmaker. Yeah. And as he's, you know, slowly leaving the filmmaking business, he's definitely dipping his toes into writing about movies. So yeah, for sure. It was nice to see that his book's really good. George Saunders, he has a short story collection called The Tenth of December, which I highly recommend. Did you see a movie called uh, Spiderhead that came out a few years ago? Spiderhead? No, no, no. I don't think I've heard of that. Oh, well, it's based on a short story from this book where okay. I can't even go into it. Just check out Spiderhead. The story okay. is called Escape from Spiderhead. Chris Hemsworth is in a movie that they made an adaptation of. It. It's on Netflix called Spiderhead. Cool. Uh, the Jordan Rules with Sam Smith, which is a book that Sam Smith, who was the beat writer for the Chicago Bulls in the early 90s, he wrote a whole book about the 91-92 season, oh, which awesome. is the first championship that the Bulls won. Awesome. And it is not a flattering portrait of that team or of Jordan. And in fact, Jordan <laughs> never spoke to him again after he wrote this book. Wow. If that doesn't sound interesting to you, if you're a sports guy, then you are dead inside. <laughs> exactly. And it's a great book. All right. I got into this chick named Eve Babbitts. And I learned this on the Brady Sinellis podcast, who was a Hollywood kind of figure, just kind of a known person in the 60s. She wrote a really cool book about L.A. called Slow Days, Fast Company. I read a biography of her by Lily Annan called Hollywood's Eve. If you're into like old Hollywood, the sort of golden stuff, Hollywood, you got to check that stuff out. Mm-hmm. And then two Joan Didion books, um, who was also another kind of, she was in Hollywood at the time. She wrote a book called Play It As It Lays, which was made into a movie in the 70s. That's one of the ones I read. It's fiction. But she wrote a really great short, uh, short essay collection called The White Album. And oh, it's cool. this great, like, did you, did you see Once Upon a Time in, uh, uh, in, in Hollywood? Hollywood? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of 60s. L.A. Hollywood. She talks about going to a um, going to a, a rehearsal of the Doors, like watching the Doors rehearse. Mm-hmm. She talks all about the Manson stuff, like the Manson murders. It's called the White Album in yeah. homage to the Beatles White Album. Awesome. So it's just one of the great writers of that era. This young, cool, hip chick, Joan Didion. She was a screenwriter in L.A. and she's just sort of around all of the like interesting cultural 
youthful stuff happening in the late 60s in Los Angeles. Yeah, awesome. So if that sounds interesting, check that out. Let's see, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I kind of wanted to recap some of the stuff I've done this year. Okay. I wrote and recorded and released my EP, Great White Light, which Hell yeah, is available. Wrote and recorded Going Supernova, which is coming out in 2023. I wrote over 100 songs this year. Dude, awesome. Which is kind of normal for me. I, I do 52 in the song game. Yeah. And then all the co-writes. Right, exactly. And then, and then obviously, your, your own solo stuff, if, if it didn't come from the song game. Right. Which, actually, I don't write any solo stuff that's not song game. Okay. You, you take it all from that? I mean, it's 52 songs. Yeah. I mean, surely in 52 songs, <laughs> there's 10 good ones. There's no reason for me to write a Clint Wells song that's not that song. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I get so that. So the other days are like, yeah, someone's coming over, we're writing for their record or we're writing for the publishing or whatever. Yeah, yeah Or for we're sure. writing for like a film TV piece of crap, right? Yeah. Me and Rachel, my other band, Attention Machine, we put out six singles this year. Yeah. We put out a single every month starting in June. We have a record coming out next year. I produced an EP for a chick named Anna Grace Beatty, which I'm really proud of. You can find that wherever you get records. Produced an acoustic EP for Morgan, which I'm really proud of that came out. Recorded and produced or co-produced over 150 podcast episodes, which is a lot. Yeah, that's, and that's a lot. And one of the things I was most excited about this year is I put together my entire Beatles vinyl collection. You did. Yeah, you absolutely did. You, I, I, and I, I got to see a lot of that on the road when we would go to record stores all around the country, you know, pulling out some, oh my God, like I need this one or whatever, you know. You, you did, did complete that. That was a labor of love. Hell yeah, that was awesome. Because I had to find all the mono and all the stereo mm-hmm. of not only the Parlophone original Beatles releases, which those mono 2014 Parlophone releases, very hard to find. Yeah. And then I had to put together all the capital, uh, which were the American versions right. of all the, all the mono and all the stereo and find them in like playable condition because those were the Beatles records that everyone here in the States grew up on. Yeah. So you can find them, but they're beat up because they oh, were... Yeah. They were well owned, well listened to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one, the, the capital ones that I have that, that I got from my dad uh, are they're all playable, but they're very well played. Yeah, it's because those were the most popular records in the world, so everyone yeah. just listened to the shit out of them. So oh, yeah. finding them, which speaking of Jamal, our buddy at uh, what is that Revival Records, uh, Village Revival Records, Village Revival Records up in uh, Manhattan. Uh, I got uh, several pieces from him. Yeah. But if you find the good ones that are clean, they're a little more expensive. So you mm-hmm. like bartering people. Yeah, I put a lot of those capital ones together on the road. Yeah, yeah, man. That's awesome. And I've I've pretty much completed it. There's like a bunch of like there's maybe fifteen to twenty miscellaneous type of records in between. But really the twenty twelve reissues of the stereo, the twenty fourteen reissues of the mono parlophone, and then all of the old capital mono and stereo. Yeah. Which is a lot to put together. I wish they would reissue the capital ones, but I uh, know. And that was, a, I mean, that was a big challenge for sure, dude. I mean, what we, you know, I, I think, you know, get back kind of stemmed that and, you know, you had some Beatles stuff already, obviously, but then it was like, I, I love when you get it, when you, when you get a quest in your sights and you're like, I have to complete this, I have to fulfill it. Yeah. I don't know what the alternative is. <laughs> right. Exactly. Not doing it. Not, I guess maybe not doing it. Um, one thing I will, I would like to add that I was really stoked about uh, starting this year was um, the side, the side group for the song game, you, me and Johnny. Mm-hmm. It's been a big uh, struggle for me in, in the years of writing my own songs to either get them done or it just takes me forever. And I've really enjoyed the the pressure of like, especially because, you know, the songs are due on a Tuesday. The, the phrase should go out on a Wednesday. A lot of times it doesn't come from your buddy Bob until like Sunday, maybe Monday. Yeah. You know, so for me, like that was kind of stressful at first, but it's been really good for me to sit down and, and complete something every week. And, and going into it, knowing that the, the goal isn't necessarily I'm going to write a great song. It's just a matter of finishing a song, getting through it, writing through it, flexing that, you know, working out that muscle. 
And uh, it's been really fun. So we're, I think uh, our side group's at 10 songs now. And it's just really cool for me to open up like my Dropbox where I put them all and like see 10 new songs. Like, okay, these aren't all the best things I've ever written, but hell yeah, I'm, I'm working at it. I'm working that muscle and uh, looking forward to keep keeping it going. Yeah. Well, once again, I've given you a life-changing gift and uh, <laughs> I'm sure you'll find a very creative way to pay me back someday. I will, man. But yeah, the song game is great, you know? And even like the songs ideally should come or the phrase should come on a Wednesday. But it's been years since I wrote my song, not the day of anyway, or the yeah. day before. Right. So, I, I mean, I don't even hit Bob up. I know they're going to come at some point, which there wasn't one this week, holiday week, I, I guess. But I wasn't sure if it was just because of the holidays, if you guys took a week off or normally don't or what. So We don't normally do that. I, I mean, I just wait for him. Dude, I was I was straight up like refreshing my email a lot on Monday or on Tuesday because I had other stuff I was doing and, and, and whatnot. And I was just like, all right, if, if it comes at like 6 p.m. and I got like five and a half hours to get this thing done, you know, and then nothing ever showed up. And I was a little I was a little relieved, but I was I was kind of the only thing I was bummed about was like, oh, man, I wanted to. And I guess I could have just written another song this week, but I like that encouragement that that almost like the fact that it's due on a Tuesday at midnight and two weeks gone and you missed two weeks and you're out. I like that pressure and accountability. Yeah. And hopefully you get to a point where you don't need it. You know, you can't, it's like my friends who are in therapy. It's like at some point you got to get out of therapy, you yeah, know, for sure. You, you got to get the tools you need to be healthy. Yeah. And then you got, you know, you got to, the little birds got to fly free. Yeah. You know, I've had seasons of the song game where I took a break because I didn't like what I was writing in it mm-hmm. because the, there was a certain part of it that I felt like was handicapping my writing. Yeah. It was actually Rachel who uh, encouraged me to take a break from it because, oh, okay, cool. Because I got to a point where I was just so, I was almost lazy in a way where I knew I would wait till Tuesday and then I would just kind of push something out. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you know, and I was like, we were just talking about writing. We, her and I write together a lot. Right. And I was like, I just don't like the stuff I'm writing, you know, and you should really like what you're writing. Yeah, for sure. I don't think, I don't think everything, if the goal is to write your best song ever, every week, that's not going to work yeah. and you shouldn't do that, but you really should like what you're writing. Yeah. yeah. And I was just not liking it. And she was like, you know, you probably need to take a break from that. And she was right. Like took taking a break and then write, like, you know, writing for my own reasons, mm-hmm. you know, for sure. was good. And then that kind of ran a certain course and I really missed the prompt because the prompt will get you writing out of your comfort zone. And what I really love about the game, and maybe you're going to get this way too, is you're going to write 50 songs that sound like an album or sound like whatever you're listening to or sound like what you think your thing is. And then mm-hmm. you're going to get tired of it and discover a new f- muscle. Yeah, for sure. Or you'll get a new piece of gear and then 10 of your songs have a Mellotron on it or you know whatever the thing is. The game mm-hmm. really gives you a lot of reasons to grow. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, I like that about it. I, I mean, I can already feel... Just a little glimpse of that, you know, even after 10 weeks of doing it, you know, it's just been, I don't know. I even told my wife, I was like, I'm really excited to, to be a part of something like this. And it's just been really cool and encouraging. And, um, you know, because in the past, I mean, dude, there's there's been times in my past, like, especially when I put out my first three solo EPs. I mean, one of them took me like a year to write like five songs, you know, and some people are like that. But I just, you know all the experience I've had in all the bands I've been in over the years, I was never the primary songwriter. I was never the singer. So I was never that guy kind of constructing everything. I would, I would write little parts and, and help with arrangements and stuff like that. But so ever since I started doing solo stuff almost 10 years ago, it's just been a growing process this whole time and it continues to be. Yeah. I mean, ultimately you have to get out of your own way and set yourself free. Yeah. That's really what it all is. You right. just quit being so precious about it. I'm not saying you, I'm saying the proverbial you. Of course. Yeah. 
being prolific really isn't that special. It's just doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a great Woody Allen quote, quote, 80% of success is showing up. Yeah, right. Well, because a lot of people say they're going to do something. They just don't do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, and and you, you've told me about that with the song game in particular. Like, you know, oh, yeah, people want in or whatever. And then, like, you know, they might turn in a song or two and then they just disappear. I started one in Nashville in, like, 2012. Yeah. With, like, it got, like, 15 people in it. And I told all these guys, I was like, don't make me kick you out of this fucking thing. Yeah. Because a bunch of my, I was touring with Jesse Balin and a bunch of those, I was riding on the road and a bunch of that band who were a bunch of cool dudes mm-hmm. uh, were like, let's start one with the band. And then that turned into, hey, can my buddy, can this guy come in, this guy come yeah. in. So before long, it was, you know, we were all in our mid twenties doing good, doing cool work. Mm-hmm. And so before long, it was like 15 kind of people doing cool stuff everywhere. Yeah, for sure. And I told them, I said, don't make me the guy in town that's kicking you out of some group. <laughs> right. And I ended up kicking everybody out of it. Yeah, for sure. One one guy who I won't say who he is, he he goes he he missed two weeks in a row, and I said, "Hey man, I'm sorry, but you're out." And he goes, "Dude, he sent me this long email, or maybe it was a text, doesn't matter." And he's like, "I really want to be in this group, and I really like need it, you know, need the encouragement, the deadline, blah blah blah." I yeah. really, I feel like I let you down. I let the group down. I'm taking it really seriously. I was on the road, blah blah blah. I really, really want to take it seriously. Will you please give me another shot? Like gave me this whole thing, right? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I will. I will. You're back in the group. And, you know, I sent the email that week. I'm like, welcome back this person. He didn't write anything. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, like, just do it. I mean, I, I've been hearing about the song game as long as I've known you. And then when you, you know, asked me and Johnny to be a part of like, this side one, there's a few, there's a uh, few songs that I'm, I'm, I'm stoked on so far. So I sent them to a few friends. Hey, what do you think? And blah, blah, blah. And of course, like, like you're talking about, like another friend of mine was like, hey, I'd love to be in this. And I was like, well, this is kind of Clint's thing. Like, but let me just, I'll text you what the prompt is every week and then just email me the song. I just wanted to see, because I knew what was going to happen is what you just said. I got zero songs. Yeah. And I knew that going in and I was like, I, you know, I'm not going to let a week go by where I don't do a song. I, I, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to get that text from Clint and be like, hey man, you're up. I don't want to get it. Yeah. No one wants that. Exactly. All right. Well, listen. Uh, everyone, go start your own song games. We on my <laughs> yes. Bob on my Bob podcast. We get emails all the time of people that want into the song game. These are just like fans of the podcast, and it's like, yeah. you know, it's it's nice. It's we're not going to do that. By the way, these these groups are super closed off. But but it, I always tell these people, I'm like, go start one in your community. Yeah. Go start one with your friends. No one's stopping you from having one in in Tulsa or in. New Jersey or wherever you live with your yeah. buddies, even if it's only two, like the one with me and you and Johnny's three people. Yeah. Everyone go start one. If you're into songwriting or, or yeah, any for kind sure. of creative thing, it's almost like a book club. It's like people start book clubs to give themselves the motivation to actually finish a book mm-hmm. because they're yeah. going to get together next Friday to talk about the book and you have to have read it to talk about it. Right. Exactly. Uh, that's a good kickstart for new year's, right? Maybe you have a resolution that whatever the thing is, you've always said you want to do, maybe this is the year you do it. Yeah. Do it. Why not? Like, maybe this is a year you start a vinyl collection. Maybe this is a year... Uh, I, and I would encourage you to find a way to do some more reading, honestly, Ethan. And I'm going to yeah, yeah. tell tell that to our listeners, too. Like, maybe even if you just give yourself for 2023, I'm going to read five books this year. Yeah, yeah. Like, even if it's something really manageable, I think I think that this is the year to do it, you know? Yeah. I've been trying to put this poetry book out for, like, a year now. And it's done. I just can't... I can't find the right help to actually get the formatting right. But you know what? This is the year I do it. This is the year. It just takes, you know, with anything, starting anything new or uncomfortable or what you're not used to, it, it just, it takes just kind of diving in the deep end, you know. When I, when I went to, 
when I wrote five songs and went to put out my first solo EP of me singing, I was fucking terrified. I put it off for months. I'm like, I, I, I don't need to be doing this. And then like kind of what you said just now, I was just like, fuck it. Now's the time to do it. I don't care. Here we go. Let's just do it. Yeah. Well, no one's getting younger and time exactly. waits for no man. And the thing is too, is like in terms of the criticism or whatever, or the imagined criticism is no one cares. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a great quote I read um, a few days ago that said, um, you'll quit worrying about what people think about you when you realize that they almost never do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, you know, in in those terms, like I've had someone, someone on like com- comment on the cover where Black and EP is like giving me crap for my voice or whatever, like telling me that I can't sing and stuff. It's like, man, I can't worry about that. I just can't worry about it. I can only sing yeah. the way God made me. I can only write my songs. I can only write the songs I hear in my head. And that's what yeah. I do. And that's, And nothing is going to stop me from doing it because no one's going to give me a prize at the end of my life no one's gonna it, no one cares make exactly. your stuff <laughs> make it it's it's your stuff and make it good makes i try to make stuff i think people would like but yeah. i don't make it for them to like exactly i make it for me to like but yep. i have good taste so if i like it it's probably pretty goddamn good mm-hmm. yeah dude i listened to lunar satan the other day for the first time in like a year it's really good it's good yeah for sure it's just really good that's all I, it's the best i could do at that yeah, time. exactly. And there's something to be said for that, dude. I mean, there, it's a proud, it's a proud like daddy moment where it's like I created this thing, I'm happy with it, I'm stoked on it, and it still holds up. If that dude on YouTube doesn't like it, I don't care. I didn't make it for him. He's not going to stop me. No one no. is going. No one can stop you except for you. If you've got something you want to do, and maybe it's not even creative. Like maybe maybe you want to go back to school or go to night classes, or maybe you want to learn how to. Uh, cook better you know like yeah. maybe you want to get better at baking like right which, which baking is so hard to do but or maybe you want to like for me it was like i'm getting excited about a sports team like yeah you can always change your life always me and bob were talking about this yesterday it's like kind of poo-pooing the new year's resolution trope of like people have resolutions my sister-in-law isabel's sister owns a gym in huntsville so there's always this influx of people who want to get their shit together it only right. lasts a few months and then people get really cynical about New Year's resolutions, right? Because no one does them or can follow through. Yeah. I take a break on all that. And I say the idea of a New Year's resolution is really hopeful and good. And yes. you should make them. And another way that you can hold yourself accountable is say them out loud to people in your life. Yeah. Like, don't just think, maybe I'll put out a poetry book. Tell your best friends, hey, I'm putting out this poetry book this year. Because at some point, your people who care about you over a beer or over dinner are going to say, hey, what's going on with that poetry book? Yeah. And what's the latest on it? And then you have to deal with it. Exactly. You're the only one not achieving those things. You're the only one. Yeah. And you're going to feel even worse if people ask about it and you don't follow through than if you actually follow through. It's like the polar opposite of the spectrum of how you're going to feel about yourself and your self-worth and what you can create and put out in the world. And you're going to feel bad when you wake up and you're 55 and you never did the thing. Mm -hmm. So don't do that to yourself. Take care of yourself. Make something. Even if you don't know if it's going to be good, just make it. Yeah. Make it make, man. Hey, listen, and, and, and Metallica gave us the motto a long time ago. We'll never stop. We'll never quit because we're, insert your name here. Metallica. Because we're Metallica. <laughs> exactly. All right, listen, thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you enjoyed the episode. We've got a lot coming in 2023. Looking forward to seeing everyone at the party. If you can support us on Patreon, consider it. If not, no big whoop. If you want to talk about us on your podcast or 
on your various socials. If you're on a your Zanga site, Mastodon, or or yeah, if you have a Zanga site, if you have a Live Journal, a Blogspot, <laughs> um, or a GeoCities, and you're doing some Dave Matthews tape trading in 2023, uh, at least just <laughs> mention us at the bottom. <laughs> we'll sponsor your. We'll, we'll pay that six dollars a year for your GeoCities page. Exactly. Um, but we do love you guys. We do appreciate the support. We'll see you on the flippity floppity piece. Adios. <laughs> If you were our advisor, what would you say? Then I would say, delete that.